Saul. Canelo. On today's episode of Too Legit Sports, I'm talking to the homie Kel Dansby of fan-sided BSO and RondaRousey.com, and you can check him out at the Corner Podcast and the local CBS affiliate in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yes, and at Las Vegas. We're going to be discussing the Canelo fight, all sorts of combat, zone, UFC. Hey, hey, there was TLC last night for people who didn't know. All I cared about was Becky Lynch, so I'm going to get into all that as well with Kel Dansby. Before we get into the interview... I want to thank Lamp Apparel, of course, for all the dope gear. Uh, if you're watching on Instagram, YouTube, you can see that we got a nice little audio setup going on right now. It looks a lot more professional, and I'm very thankful for all the support and all the award-winning listeners of the Too Legit Show. I really thank you, because without you, I wouldn't be able to do all this. So uh, make sure you subscribe and rate to the podcast if you have it on Apple Podcasts. And uh, subscribe on Instagram, because we're dropping these hot clips. They're hotter than Stephen A's uh Kansas City takes. You hear about this man, Stephen A.? He didn't even know who was on the roster. I love that. It didn't matter because the Chargers won. But I'm going to hit you with this daily double right here, this double-double daily double. I'm going to give I'm gonna give you a little breakdown. It's like my two-minute drill stretched out into about 10 minutes. we got to talk about what happened this weekend, big weekend. Of course, we're going to save all the fight stuff for Kel later in the interview. But we want to talk about the NFL. Two Saturday games. There was two Saturday games. I didn't watch a single minute of any of it because, look, the Jets and the Texans, doesn't get me excited. And you tell me the Browns and the Broncos are playing. It better be 1992 with the AFC Championship on the line because I don't really care. And look, check out the damn Bron- the, the Browns. Uh, Greg Williams, who, you know, he we thought he was joking about uh, getting all these offers to be a coach. No, no, no. This man has got more victories in a half a season in an interim basis than Hugh Jackson had in about two and a half seasons. Great stuff by Greg Williams. Baker Mayfield is being un leashed in front of the world good for the Browns it looks like it's too little too late because they could have been competing for a wild card slot or they could have been competing for the division but of course they had a couple bad breaks along the way Hugh Jackson brought out all that bad juju okay but of course the Bengals beat the Raiders I believe but the Raiders are trying to lose but Hugh Jackson had all the bad juju I don't know what's going on now the Browns are Rick rolling right now I'm on the Baker bus he's dropping Baker bombs I'm all about Baker Mayfield and the Browns going forward and that division is pretty good because you got the Ravens and the Steelers. You know, Ravens are battling for the wild card. Steelers are clasping onto that division. And you got the Browns hanging out in there. And of course, the Bengals are the Bengals. Can we talk about the Broncos real quick? The AFC West, Denver Broncos. Shout out to my guy, regular Dave. I know he's very disappointed. I know he's very sad right now. Not only that he's sad that he wasted his free month on the Canelo fight, but he's also really, really sad that the Broncos are really bad. Vance Joseph has straight up cost this team. Last week, and probably this week, the, the play calling has been horrendous. And I think Vance Joseph is over it. Uh, I don't know if we can blame John Elway for this, but we're going to blame the head coach and we're going to blame the quarterback. The defense is there. The pieces are solid. They just got to get the quarterback and the head coach situation in order. Would they go after Josh McDaniels again? That'd be hilarious, but I don't think it's going to happen. Who is available on the market for the Denver Broncos? Because Vance Joseph will not be there. The Broncos were in that playoff hunt. They were, they were in there. They were in there like underwear, and unfortunately, it ended drastically on Saturday night. All bad for the AFC West, unless you're the Chargers and the Chiefs who dominate the AFC. Let's talk about Kansas City and San Diego. I'm calling them San Diego because they're the San Diego Chargers in my book, always and forever. These these boys played on Thursday. It was a hotly contested battle, 
Everyone thought the Kansas City Chiefs were going to win. They were up 14 with about four minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and everyone thought it was a rappy rap. But no, no, no. Phillip Rivers, a.k.a. Felipe Rios, because Phillip Rivers is Mexican. I don't care what anybody says. Phillip Rivers is Mexican. He lives in San Diego. He wears cowboy boots. He has nine kids. He definitely listens to Banda, and he loves Mexican food. What else do you want to say? Felipe is here to stay. Felipe is California's quarterback. Not Jared, not Jimmy, and not Derek. It's all about Felipe Rios, who, who runs California, ladies and gentlemen. Felipe went into Kansas City. He went into Arrowhead, and they stole this victory. They didn't have a lead until the last four seconds of the game. Rivers scores it, throws in the answer to my guy, Mike Williams, who's having a, a Pro Bowl year, a resurrection year, all that in a bag of chips. And then he caught the game-winning two-point conversion on a completely blown coverage by Orlando Skandrick. The Chargers stole that game. You got to love that coach, Anthony Lynn, whose seat may have been mediocre warm last year. But look, he's won 17 out of 21, right? Goes for two, puts his balls on the table. His balls are bigger than Dana Holgerson's, and they go for the two, they go for the win, and Felipe Rios is in the MVP conversation. I got to give it to Felipe. He is in the MVP conversation. So is Aaron Donald, but we'll get to that in a second because Breeze plays tonight on Monday Night Football against Carolina, who is sliding. But we got to talk about the prime time game, the Philadelphia Eagles against the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are coming off back-to-back prime time games. They went Sunday night in Chicago, took that L. It's okay. It's a road game. I expect that Chicago's really good. They just clinched the division against Green Bay this weekend. They're playing Philadelphia, who's reeling right now who's on their fourth-string quarterback. They got Big Dick Nick in there, who, who did win the Super Bowl, but they're, not, they're without Wentz, and they're having some key injuries. They have no running game pretty much as well. And the Eagles came up there and mollywopped them for about three and a half quarters, and the Rams made a short comeback, some fumbles and some sloppy play later. You got Marcus Peters going at people in the crowd. It's all bad right now for the Rams. Cooper Cup went down, and who knew he was going to be the glue that makes the car move? It does that, that, that metaphor doesn't make sense, but run with it. Cooper Cup is the glue that makes the car run. And now that he's out, Goff can't complete a completion past 20 yards. He's struggling huge right now. Bigly. He's struggling bigly. I believe the Rams can get this together and turn it around. They have two cupcakes at the end of the year, the Arizona and I believe San Francisco. Look, they got it in the bag, the Rams. They just they took their foot off the gas a little bit. You know, there's a lot of big personalities. And that's what happens with teams of big personalities. And there's a lack of depth because we spent so much on the first string. There is a lack of depth. I'd love to have the Rams brothers on to discuss the Rams further. But look, the Rams are slipping. They haven't they have not clinched a first round bye. They got to get this first round bye. We do not want to go and play a Seattle or a Minnesota in round 1. That's a no-bueno, okay? I got, you can't let the season slip from your hands. Aaron Donald right now could be an MVP. That way you give Bobby Wagner the defensive player of the year cuz Mahomes is kind of slipping. Breeze has to have an all-time performance, and Felipe is right up in there, but I don't think Felipe will get the respect, especially if he doesn't win the division. If the Chargers come and steal this division, then you may get you may give it to Felipe. But it, my general concern of the Rams between 1 to 10 is about a 5. I think Sean McVay will get him going. Uh, there was, it was just sloppy. There was turnovers. The offense couldn't get going. We've got some weeks to get there. We're going to clinch this bye, and they'll get there. Colts and Cowboys. I don't know if the Colts are legit or if the Cowboys are frauds. This completely, complete miss by me. First off, this whole weekend was weird. I don't know if the mercury was rising. I don't know if the, if the full moon was going on. 
it was a weird weekend in bets, a weird weekend in sports all in general because none of the bets hit. A bunch of weird stuff was happening. Colts look good. Cowboys look bad once again. It would be really hilarious if the Cowboys lose out and they finish, what, 8-8? Eight and eight? They finish 8-8 eight and eight and don't win the division. That would be chaos, and that's what I'm praying for. The Colts, man, look out for Andrew Luck. They were shutting down teams, and Melvin Mack is behind there doing the damn thing. T.Y. Hilton is still alive, ladies and gentlemen. Got to give it to T.Y. Hilton. And the Colts got the W. 49ers and Seahawks. Look, you, you could have predicted this for the Seahawks. A lot of personalities, very emotional, very raw, raw kind of locker room. They get up for certain games, okay? And they got up for their Monday night game against Minnesota. They fell asleep for this game against San Francisco. The only person that was pumped up for the 49ers versus Seahawks game this late in the season, it was Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman was stoked to get that victory. He, was, he just wanted to shove it up Pete Carroll's ass so bad. And I guess that, that was his Super Bowl, was beating the Seahawks 26-23. The Seahawks looked out. They didn't give a fuck. They didn't care. I'm sorry to use my sorry to excuse my French. They didn't care. They were more excited about the Kansas City game, the Chiefs, and Air Pat Steph Curry Mahomes coming in next Sunday night. So they let this slide by. No biggie. New England and Pittsburgh, the Sunday marquee. The Steelers finally did it. They waited this whole season. Look, they were they were throwing games away. They didn't care about the Jacksonville game, okay? They tried to give it away. They gave away that Oakland game. They gave away another game in between that I can't even remember. All because all this sacrifice was for the Patriots. And they beat the Patriots. Luckily, they beat the Patriots 17 to 10. Nobody is good in the AFC other than the Chargers and the Chiefs. Nobody's good. We don't know. The Patriots are not that good. The Texans aren't that good. The Steelers are not that good. When the Browns, you can when you can make a case for the Browns to win a round one playoff game, you know the AFC is pretty weak. And you cannot forget about the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Joe Flacco, call him Joe Flack. Go, because if I'm Jacksonville Jaguars or if I'm the New York Giants, I'm getting Broadway Joe on my team. He's not going to be there because Lamar Jackson is leading the way. He's leading the Ravens to the playoffs. The Ravens were my dark horse sleeper to win the wild card, and it looks like they're going to prove me right. I didn't think Lamar Jackson was going to carry the torch like this, but big shout-out to Lamar Jackson. They should get more. Uh, they should, they should uh, draft more quarterbacks and try to convert them to tight ends and leave them as quarterbacks. That should really happen. Why don't we try to convert Josh Allen to a tight end? Because they love to praise his running, but his, he is inaccurate as all hell. So maybe they should make Josh Allen a quarterback. Shout out to Lamar Jackson doing the damn thing, getting those W's, much respect. And that's the fastest two-minute drill you ever hear right there in about 10 minutes. That's my NFL talk. Cam is holding on for dear life. I'm pretty sure he's injured, but I'm taking the Panthers. They're at home. I'm taking and I'm baking the Carolina Panthers. NBA talk. Let's talk about Lonzo Ball and the Los Angeles Lakers. Lonzo Ball is one of the most not hated. I would say he's the most polarizing Young man in the NBA, you either love him or you hate him. You either want to give him respect for his clamp jobs on Kemba Walker and other top point guards. He's holding top point guards to about 30% shooting, ladies and gentlemen. He is a lockdown, first team, all defender at the guard position, okay? He's a triple-double beast. What else do you want? A triple-double guy who can lock down your best guard. What else do you want in a point guard? Lonzo is doing it big for the first time since Kareem and Magic in 1982, Lakers teammates go for triple doubles. LeBron and Lonzo. Now, they're what, three and four in this little skid right now ever since Brandon Ingram went down? You can make an argument that you don't need Brandon Ingram, that they found the lineups that are working, that they found the lineups that work around LeBron, that work with Lonzo, that get Kuzma flying and dying, okay? Kuzma's an all-out beast right now, ladies and gentlemen. However, they are three and four. 
They, they're missing Brandon Ingram's depth. Of course, they're missing Rajon Rondo as well. I'm in favor of, of, of bringing Ingram back and seeing how he comes into the fold. Stagger the minutes between him and LeBron, okay? Before you do all these crazy trades, before you trade Brandon Ingram to New Orleans, okay? That's not going to happen to the offseason. You got to stagger the minutes. Ingram's a stud. His mid-range efficiency is really good. You just got to get him rolling to the cup a little more, and he's got to handle the ball. That's who he is. He's not an off-ball kind of guy. So stagger the minutes. Make him a Lamar Odom god. Who cares if he's the sixth man, if he's talented? If he's a Lamar Odom guy, if he's a Lou Williams all-star level kind of guy, who cares about the title of being the starter? Sorry. That's just that's all I'm saying. Lakers are in the Lakers are in the driver's seat, though. They're really good. They're probably going to be in the Western Conference Finals. The, the West is really good. Nobody's talking about the Denver Nuggets, who are really, really good and who are missing about four or five players. Wait till they get Will Barton back. Wait till they get Isaiah Thomas. Wait till they get Michael Porter Jr. This team is going to be stacked, and they're ready to go. Can you imagine if Nikola Jokic got in shape? Nikola Jokic got $150 million being out of shape. There's no way you're going to get Nikola in the gym now. There's no way you're going to get Nikola cutting back on the Chivapchichi and the Burek, that good Serbian food. I know how I randomly just transitioned into the Denver Nuggets, but we had to talk about them. The Denver Nuggets are the best team. They'll probably be the best team without an all-star this year. To be quite honest with you, the Clippers were good, but they're kind of staggering now. They're kind of they're kind of feeling themselves in the mud a little bit because they've had a tough, tough schedule. Fifth hardest schedule in the NBA so far. Ton of road games, ton of flights. They're probably not going to have an all-star. It should be Tobias Harris because Lou Williams just went down. And, of course, you got to talk about Memphis with Mike Conley. Hello, Mike Conley. He's shooting floaters from three-point range. Mike Conley is the indie punk band everyone likes. Like, I don't know how to, it's a hard, since this is an MMA episode, he's that fighter in from Japan that everybody loves, but nobody in America knows about. Nobody talks about Mike Conley, but he's a great, efficient point guard who never gets technical fouls. He's a stud in the postseason, doesn't turn the ball over, shoots a great shot. Shout out to Mike Conley. I'm rooting for Mike Conley to get an all-star this year. Going with Conley, Tobias, and Jokic. Those are my guys. I know Davis will get the nod to be the starter, but it should be Nikola Jokic, okay? Davis, his team is 500. He is putting up stats, but you got to reward winning at the end of the day, in my opinion. Let's talk about that Ariza trade that happened and then didn't happen. So it was pretty amateur hour that was going on here in the NBA. December 15th hit, right? And this trade was supposed to go down. Kelly Oubre was supposed to go to Memphis. Austin Rivers was going to go to the Suns. He still ended up there anyway. Trevor Ariza going to Washington. Memphis... Apparently got cold feet because they said, no, 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 this is the wrong Brooks. No, no, no. And then when the two other teams are like, no, no, bro, you were talking about Dylan Brooks. And the guy's like, no, 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 I was talking about Marshawn. I don't know if I can believe you, uh, Chris Wallace in Memphis. That's just hilarious. How do you, how do the names get mixed up? Like, this is the NBA. Uh, apparently the deal was being done through text as well. Who knows? I don't know. This is some new age stuff. Who knows what's going on? In the end, the trade got done. Washington Wizards giving up a young piece, a 23-year-old and Kelly Oubre, who they probably couldn't afford to re-sign because of the Otto Porter deal. But I probably would have explored trading Otto Porter first instead of Kelly Oubre. Otto Porter's making $25 million a year. I think he's going to make 28 next year. Over $100 million contract. I would have looked to try to move him and re-sign Oubre. This is a big panic move by Washington. They think Trevor Reese is going to come in and save the day. He's going to save Bradley Beal and John Wall. I don't think so, ladies and gentlemen. This team is still going to finish eighth seed at the best. I, I, I wrote off the Wizards in the beginning of the year. I said they'd be terrible in our Vegas betting episode with a regular day, and they are terrible. They're really bad. Uh, they'll get the, they'll, they'll swing and miss. They'll get their Ws, but look, they're not a contender to even make the playoffs. Eighth seed at best. They may flip Trevor Ariza again, may package Trevor Ariza and, and uh, Travis Porter. Uh, Otto Porter 
to somewhere, maybe send him back west, send him to a Portland or a Sacramento, somewhere, you know, a fringe contender that would take the chance on Trevor Reza and a big bulky contract like Otto Porter. And that's my NBA talk. Let's take a quick break and we'll dive into the interview with Kel Dansby. Please welcome Kel Dansby to the show. Kel, what's up? Hey, what's up? It's great to be on the show, man. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, in, in Vegas, but diehard Yankees fan from the Bronx, 15 minutes away from the stadium. So oh. always have to follow my boys. Oh, oh, man. So you're originally from New York. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I feel like I've bounced around forever. I tell people I've been away at college for like 20 years. <laughs> when did you move to Vegas then? Um, I came to Vegas for high school because they have like okay. a specific high school out here. And my mom lived out here already. I lived in New York okay. with my grandma. So okay. I came out here for high school, did the four mm-hmm. years of high school, and then left for college for like six oh. years. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of just all fell into place, man. It fell into place where uh, Vegas was the stop for me when I got my job at uh, BSO, Black Sports Online, mm-hmm. and I've been back ever since. So it, it just worked out perfectly. And for me covering combat sports, I, I couldn't do it from anywhere else. I, I love being in Vegas. When did when did you first start? Like, what was your first like big fight where you were like, "Oh man, I'm 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 doing something cool here." Oh, it was my first fight ever. So, um, <laughs> I was at school in Kansas. Okay, because I lived in Kansas City, and it was a, a crazy time. So, I had just separated from my ex wife at that time, and I was online, and I was working at Six Ten Sports Radio in Kansas City. Okay, and we, and we used to pull content from like for like the, I guess the fluff segment mm-hmm. of the sports radio show because we had like six minutes to fill at the end of these shows between commercial breaks, and we used to pull like whatever was the hot topic in sports. So they'd have me look at Black Sports Online every day to try okay. to find like you know the the new thing that people were talking about. So it was one point I saw in there and. Um, Robert Latal, who runs Black Sports Online, posted like, hey, we're looking to expand. We need a West Coast writer, West Coast contributor. And I was getting separated. I was like, yo, I got to leave this situation, everything. (laughs) So uh, I emailed him and I was like, yo, I I write. Um, I've been doing sports radio, but here goes like a couple of my links. I had an internship with uh, SNY in New York. Oh, wow. Okay. uh, Yeah. So that was my first thing. And I was a writer, strictly a writer there. And then that turned into like a nice little gig. Um, and I just covered the giant Super Bowl run. It was like 2011. Okay. So I was like, okay, listen, I have experience. And I sent over a couple of those articles and yeah, Robert was like, yeah, cool, man. And he was like, I just needed to be on the West coast. I was like, well, I don't want to move to LA. It's expensive. So uh, I lived in Vegas before. Can I go to Vegas? He was like, yeah, go ahead. So I packed up my bag. That was Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, I had one bag and it was my boy's military bag, packed that all up with all my clothes and my book bag on my back with my Xbox and my laptop, <laughs> got on a plane, came back out to Vegas, slept on my best friend's floor. And a week after, Rob was like, hey, um, you've done live events before? I was like, yeah, I've done like one, two. He's like, all right, cool. I got a live event for you to go to. I was like, all right, what is it? And it happened to be Pacquiao Marquez for- Whoa, so, is that the, that's the one where he got floored, right? Flattened. 
so that man. that was my first event, like real event covering it was Pacquiao okay. Marquez. So okay. that's to this day, that's probably like my favorite one, just because it was a whirlwind. I did like the whole build up that week, and Pacquiao was working him for a second, went for the kill, got knocked out, and, and the atmosphere of the arena and all the Mexican fans that were in there when they thought Marquez was about to be just worked and and just taken out. And then it happened in an instant. And then the memes, the memes that came off of it, and Simba moving his <laughs> no, lifeless no body. Oh, like like everything that went around that fight, and for it to be my first fight that I ever covered, like that one special to me. That was like what 2011 or 2012? Was that, that was a uh, December 2011. December. So yes, I remember that, that fight. Was, it was oh my gosh! Like so t- wait, so when you say covered it fully like you were at the media like the like the champions walk-in and like the media events and all that stuff i did all the fight week stuff um you know producing content every day because before my internship at sny had like kind of just ended and they hired me to stay on so i i did giants playoff stuff but it was really like okay you go to this one day of stuff and i remember super bowl week it was in indianapolis Mm -hmm. but i couldn't get credential because other people from the site obviously got like the big credentials but uh, I went and I just did like uh, some Friday stuff. And then they had, you know, media week and all that stuff. So I could get in for like a little of those things. Okay. But then I had to like go home and, and watch the game from home. So I really didn't do like the entire buildup of following through, you know, post fight presser or post game press or whatever it is. I didn't do all of that before. Right. And turning stuff on around on a deadline. I, I remember I wrote my article like quick that night and then I had to do a follow up piece the next day. Because I still, I still didn't know what I was doing. It's incredible to see the, the difference in like a five-year gap. Now I guess I'm on year seven. I feel old. But I, <laughs> at, this, at that point, I was like 23. And I was just right. like, yeah, cool. And he was like, can you do it? I was like, of course I can do it. That was the one thing I learned in all of journalism school and communications um, was my major, actually. But that's the one thing I learned. It was the one thing I take away. Everything else I probably forgot. But the one thing was, I, I had this guy who was um, head of like my college radio station. And he was mm-hmm. like, if someone asks you to do something, you say yes. He was like, you, they want you to cover soccer. You, you go and you do soccer. Because someone offered me like a play-by-play high school state championship soccer thing. Uh-huh. I was like, I don't do soccer. He's like, you better say yes. He's like, you say yes, you figure it out while you're out there. He was like, you don't turn down anything. So that was my, that's still my mentality to this day. It's like, if someone asks me to do something, I can always make time to do it. And you can never have too many things on your resume. If I don't know how to, I'll figure it out. So far, it's worked out. I want to get into play-by-play and do like LA Sports Radio and do all this other stuff. And I'm I'm going to take a page out of your book and just say yes. If it's lacrosse, if it's rugby, I'll figure it out. You make it fun. You do some color on it, splash a little on it, and you figure it out, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that was the hardest thing I probably had to do um, early in journalism. Because writing, writing was okay. I can tell stories. That's fine. Um, right. Coming from radio, it's really easy, right? Because okay. you, you feel, you f- I mean, I went having to fill a three-hour show. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, you just want me to write one article? Like, okay, I can tell the story here. And right. so that I kind of took too quickly. The play-by-play, so much going on back mm. and forth. And they just give you the sheets. Like, I showed up. And I was like, okay, this is one roster, other roster. And I was like, I have my iPad, I think. So I'm like feverishly looking up the semifinal results, who they right. beat. And how they got here in the records and trying to mix that in as I go with the play-by-play. And you're trying to find their leading scorer. So every time they touch it, you got to build up the excitement like they might score at any moment. It, it was it was a rush. It was, it was so hard, though, and difficult. <laughs> 
but as you go through it, like it's so fun. It goes so fast. I did. I think I did the consolation game and then the championship game. So it took mm-hmm. a, a legit six hours, and it was on television on like the little local you know channel and everything. And I was like, man, if I mess up, like it, this is it. Like did you have this, to do those. Did you have to do those on the same day back to back? Yeah, it was back to back. So it was consolation Woo! first, and then. I got like a 15 minute break where they bought me Gatorade and then the, <laughs> <laughs> the state final. So I was like, man, this is crazy. And, but once you started rolling, it was, it was good and they liked it, I go. guess, so at the end of the day, but that, that was hard. And I'm not into, I'm into a lot of sports. Like I follow mm-hmm. a lot of different sports regularly. Soccer is not one of them. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I could have done anything else. Lacrosse, I'm good. Hockey, I love it. Uh, baseball is probably my favorite sport. I could have done so many other things. And nope, I got I got soccer right out the bat, so it was cool. And there's stuff, little stuff like that that are challenging, and especially early on. And it's all about you know making mistakes. But as long as you take every opportunity, that's that's how I got my show. You know, the Corner Podcast. I was just sitting next to Andreas. He needed a co-host. I was like, hey, I'm with it. I've done radio before. I'll edit the show. I'll do all this stuff. Do rundowns, whatever you need. And then next thing you know, we're we're five years deep in our podcast. So it's uh it's crazy who you meet, where you meet them, how opportunities show up, and it all just starts by saying yes. As, as cheesy as it sounds, have you uh, have you ever done play by play for a boxing or a UFC or MMA martial arts? I have not. I'm I'm waiting for this call. <laughs> no, it's hey, uh, right? it's, one, it's one of the things uh, I really want to try, and I feel like I have a fair opportunity in doing it. So maybe it's just like my laziness. Um, right for lack of a better word, but I'm really cool with the the Tough Enough promotion here in Las Vegas. It's the amateur promotion. Okay. Uh, if people don't know, Ronda Rousey came through there. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had a ton of champions. It's like a, a legit UFC feeder system. I remember the video of Judo Gene LaBelle with his stopwatch, and it was at a, t- at a, at a Tough Enough. Tough enough. He, would, <laughs> he, would, he would walk around with that stopwatch. It's hilarious. Yep. So uh, Tough Enough is really cool, and they run events out here all the time. And that's one of the the first local promotions I really got into. Mm-hmm. Um, they were they credentialed me before the UFC, before Bellator, before any of those. Oh, wow. uh, and so I've always kind of stayed loyal to them wherever I'm at, whatever outlet they need something, I'll write it up. They have a champion that wants to talk or a great story. I got them. I still go to a lot of their events because um, I just enjoy it. It's a great brand of martial arts, and and they have a great promotion. So I, I really, and they have like these online, like you can stream it on Facebook and I think they just signed a deal with someone. So Ooh. I can really just ask them like, hey, let me do play by play for you guys. Right. I'm pretty sure they'll be open to it. So that's, no, that's a good thing. I'm, that's going to be my 2019 resolution. I'm going to do play by play for Tough Enough. You Ooh. just, you just inspired me. So that's, I, that'd that's be awesome. I'd thing. love to go. I got to check out one of their shows when I'm in Vegas next time. Oh, whenever you're here, just let me know. Um. If you you know you're out for International Fight Week, they always do their show that week as well. Oh, okay. So I mean, we can we can go, we can sit there. It's it's always great. One thing about amateurs that if people have never been to amateur MMA or amateur boxing, mm-hmm. a lot of fights are lopsided because I mean, there's guys and there's huge gyms here in Vegas like Syndicate or Cortor. Um, mm-hmm. So th- there's guys training in there that are going to be eventual like legit pros. Sure. And then there's some guys cha- training out of like Gold's Gym in, oh. you know, in North Las Vegas or something. And then other people like fly in from San Diego gyms and, oh man, uh, gyms in, in Phoenix and Glendale mm. and everyone bring their fighters here. And sometimes it's a guy with like a 2-0 record 
and he's just gonna get washed and you just know it so it's it's amazing to just see like (laughs) you're like oh my god why who who booked this (laughs) like sometimes in the ufc like everyone is so good that you might be in for like a chess match or quote-unquote a boring fight here it's like no if one person is really good a majority of time 80 percent of the time the fights can't be evenly matched they just match you off of record Wow. They don't match you off of, you know, talent level or where your gym is from. So if you're 3-0, and but you fought, like, you know, local guys who haven't done anything, and this kid is 3-0, and but he was an Olympic wrestler, and he's just looking to, you know, knock out the cobwebs on his striking, you're going to get wrapped up in a pretzel. So it's it's fun, man. It's fun to go to. So, yeah, that's that's still one of one of my favorite like events to cover they they throw amazing events really professional so yeah that that's that's my new goal this year play by play got to make that happen do you attend every event in vegas ufc boxing bellator whatever yeah every single one really that's so cool yeah haven't missed one in six years so my, my oh my gosh my, my fiance now is is uh because she's just cooler than me when it comes to like home decor and little crafts and all this stuff. I used to have all my credentials just in like shoe boxes uh-huh. and I would just throw them in there and not look at them. So when we got together, it's only like three years ago, um, when we first moved in together three years ago, she was like, you know what? Let me, let me take these. These are like too cool to have in a box. So she had a tiny curtain rod uh-huh. in the hallway and she started hanging my credentials on them. Oh my! So gosh. it looked cool. So like I started, I mean, at that point I probably had like a hundred, 110, uh-huh. So now in our new apartment, in our new loft, like when you walk up the stairs to my office, all my credentials are hanging up the stairs on the stairway. And now the current rod goes the entire length of the <laughs> stairway. And there's like 330 credentials up there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it's crazy. Like if people come over to my house and, oh, what is this? Oh, this is so cool. And start thumbing through it. And you'll see like Mayweather, Pacquiao. You'll see Mayweather, um, Connors up there in the front. Wow, dude. Yeah. That's so epic. It's crazy. I'm, so, I'm so jealous right now as a fight nerd. I'm staring at Conor McGregor Aldo right now, and that's one of my favorite looking credentials. I put that in the front, too, and Connor's just like in his face. Actually, it's from the one that was canceled when Chad stepped in. Oh, when Chad stepped in. Yeah, okay. and they couldn't change the credential fast enough. Okay. So uh, it still has Aldo on the credential. So that's also one of my faves. But yeah, they're all up there, man. So. Do- Super this Bowls. is random. This is random. This is, do you have a UFC credential for that canceled Dan Henderson, John Jones card? They, they never printed those out. Never printed them out. Okay. I have a few John Jones canceled cards, though. Uh, wow. <laughs> I have John versus DC. That was canceled. Oh, that's so right. I have the original UFC 200. Yes. One on there where John and DC are on the top of it. And then underneath is what Nunez, I think, was fighting for the title and on the Tate, and yeah. Tate, and then Brock Lesnar and Mark Hunt. So all three of them are on the credential, oh, and John wow. never made it. So no Anderson Silva on there, but it's we're, on my credential. We're gonna have to shoot some content about this. We're, yeah, gonna, man, we're gonna have to shoot some content about this. That's an inc- six years. So you've seen every single. I mean, you've seen anything. Let me ask you because I I, I I don't know why I'm fascinated by this. So you've gone to Mandalay Bay, MGM, T-Mobile, Palms, Hard Rock. What am I missing? Um, Cosmo. Oh, for those like, little TMT fights. Yeah, oh, not even the TMT ones. UFC held one in there. So um, the UFC what? held two in the Cosmo in that oh, same wow. room. Yeah, so it was... 
I want to say the ultimate fighter finale during UFC fight week three years ago was at the okay. Cosmo. It was like in between transitions where they stopped messing with the palms because Dana had beef there for a yes. second. And it was yeah. before the Fertitas bought the palms out. So I think Dana had beef with like the Malusa. He was like, we're not going back there. And they, okay. um, one year they tried to put the ultimate fighter finale in the Mandalay Bay. It was uh, Frankie Edgar just washing BJ Penn. Yep, sad. Was, yeah, that was like one why? of the most emotional fights. And then why? BJ Penn I, came back, why? and I was like, I, I, I have no pity for you anymore, BJ. And Penn. he's fighting on Fight Pass, isn't he? Isn't BJ Penn fighting on Fight yeah, Pass? It's ridiculous. I saw, I saw journalists crying real tears when oh. BJ Penn was getting walloped, and then gave that retirement speech at the end, like real tears. These guys who've been covering MMA for much longer than me saw like the rise of BJ Penn saw you know saw a lot of those fights at the Mandalay Bay up in the rafters and saw everything he meant to the sport and for Frankie Edgar to take him out in oh. that rivalry like everything oh. they were overcome and then for this guy to announce that he's coming back was ridiculous like some people just can't stay away like, no like, retire, they, they love it yeah just retire at the right moment pull a pay and manic like just you don't have to come back in MMA very few people retire on the win so you don't even have to feel that pressure. Listen, sometimes you go out on your back like a warrior, but just right. stay out. Like that—that that was his night. So no, that was a that was a wild one uh, for a tough finale. And that year it happened to be the tough finale was moved to Sunday after mm-hmm. the UFC was on That's, Saturday. Right. So we had like fatigue. I feel it might have been one eighty nine with Connor. So like the there was a fight card on Friday. A fight card yes. on Saturday, and then that one on Sunday. Oh my gosh, was that the Rafael Dos Anjos Eddie Alvarez on that, Friday? Yeah, that fight? Eddie, yes, it was. And a Eddie fight rocked him. Yep. And oh Eddie my god, took the belt. So um, yes. yeah, yeah, that was that weekend. I remember we were all so drained, oh. and we had like that week they had a press build for each fight. So one day was open workouts, the same day as the press conference, and you can't miss a press conference with Connor, and then you had. You know, BJ weighing in. Like, it was it was crazy. So, like, Thursday was an 8 a.m. day to about 7 p.m. And there was no fights. And then the next day, you knew you had to stay until 10 p.m. for those fights. But still be there early for the weigh-ins for Connor and everything. It was the most tiring week in combat sports. But uh, it was worth it. And we had great fights all weekend. Ended on the BJ Penn note. And then Budweiser was the main sponsor for that weekend. Right. So, they bought in just just huge barrels like wheelbarrow type things, plastic wheelbarrow uh-huh. type things, full of Bud Lights for the media room. So right after that BJ Penn fight, they, they had to have been 500 beers in the media room. And they're like, hey, thanks for all the work you guys have done. They brought us out like some food and just tons of beers. And we're just like double fisting beers in the back. There's Pictures exist somewhere of this. Of <laughs> nothing but MMA media guys that you guys listen to every week just getting plastered <laughs> after these fights. And everyone was drunk. So that, that was a fun fun night how is how is international fight week now like the last one with steep and dc was it it's not as crazy as it was no not as crazy as it was. okay um, right. only only two cards during the week now and then it seems like the the last one was kind of lighter but mm-hmm. that that's been the case you know i felt like they felt that they knew fox was on borrowed time oh that sure deal so i feel like those cards have kind of been lighter and lighter and lighter and then uh, I think we'll get it ratcheted up a lot for the ESPN deal. Oh, they're going hard. Well, yeah, they're, we just they're, they're canceled the Anaheim card, and it. now they're they're splitting them up. Yep, we saw a whole pay per view canceled just so they can make sure that New York card is, is what it's supposed to be. And then you know, there's talks of the Kane Velasquez being on the first 
actual ESPN card because the first one's ESPN Plus. So the first like free television ESPN him and Ngannou, card, right? It's supposed to be him and Ngannou. So they're going oh. all out for these cards. If you're not getting a title match, you're getting a legit matchup. No disrespect to like you know the the flyweights or anything else, right? But that that used to be what they would give Fox for these things. DJ didn't fight on a pay per view forever. Mm-hmm. That he was like the king of Fox Television for MMA. So they're not they're not going in that direction at all. They're trying to give them like real legit banger fights. So I, I like it. We'll see how long that lasts and see if ESPN can speed up the pace of some of these things. But as long as that happens, it they'll keep rolling, man. They they got a good setup going. So you go to Mayweather Gym all the time. Yep. And I gotta hear a crazy. I've never been to the gym. I drove by it. I I ate at a at a great restaurant right by it, but I just you know haven't been in. You got to tell me what's the craziest thing you've seen at the gym there? Like what is like one you're just like, well, oh my, only at Floyd's. Oh man, I mean, it's always kind of the same. Like okay. not to burst, but like it. Right now, we know exactly what to expect from a Floyd Mayweather media day. He's gonna be two and a half hours late. So <laughs> that's that's just off top. Like you just just be prepared to spend your entire day there. Oh um, wow! There's some media members, and they still do it. Uh, one of the funniest guys in combat sports media is Gareth. He's uh, mm-hmm. from England. He's like right. with the um, UK. I forgot what website it is, but he's like the man in England, and he wears a suit everywhere. And like he looks like Austin Powers. All the time. It is. Like, his style is so Euro swaggy. So, he, he's there, and he got his long hair flowing, and he wears the suit to the Mayweather gym because he still has to do his stand-ups. Right. And I don't know how he does it because Mayweather gym is, no joke, 140 degrees. What? The, the heat is on during the Vegas summer months. So, it could be oh. 118 outside. Those May fights, oh, I, I go in there. I don't even care anymore. I go in there, my little wrestling t-shirt on, so... <laughs> Some just shorts. Yeah. Like, you know, nice little summertime shorts. Like, no, nah, man, I can't do it. Because you'll go in there and you're legit cutting weight with Mayweather. You lose 10 pounds. On one day of media, you go in there and lose 10 pounds. See, what what I would do is I would come in there with just a wife beater. And then when I have my stand-ups, I'll just ha- – somebody hand me the polo real quick. That, go, that's what you got to do because you'll sweat through your polo in like <laughs> exactly. 30 minutes. It is horrible. It, I see people get caught with that all the time. They take the suit jacket off. They got the armpit stains on the, oh, no. on the crispy button up underneath. So they'll have like a light blue button up and super dark blue armpits. And they're just sweating. And then they got the big print on their back. And they just got to throw on the suit jacket to make it look normal. But, I mean, you'll, you'll see people rolling up their sleeves. Oh, man, it, it was crazy. And it was a zoo for Mayweather McGregor. Because. I can only imagine. It's probably, you know, I, I make a joke on my podcast because when LeBron came, I was like, oh, they're get, like, they're going to get like Judy from Good Housekeeping and Glenn from whatever weekly because they hear they hear the name and they're like, I'm gonna, I got to ask a question. Is that how it is over there? Or they're like, oh, my God, it's a spectacle. I'm sending Joe Blow. Yeah, my floor seat was next to Home and Garden. Ah, no. And, and E! News. Like, no. that's what I was sitting next Home to. Home and Garden? Home and Garden. At Mayweather McGregor. Yup. I was like, who are you? Like, okay. Like, it was it was the weirdest thing. Uh, but everyone came out for it. Everyone, everyone, everyone. Um, so, yeah, that those dynamics are weird. But seeing the MMA media who really, there's a few crossover guys who we cover everything. Probably like four or five of us. Right. But everyone else kind of stays separated. Um. Boxing media is a lot older 
than MMA media. Mm-hmm. Everyone in MMA media, I'm, I'd say I was one of the youngest. I might still be one of the youngest, to be honest. But everyone, like, you're not going to catch so many people over 44, 45. Okay. Like, if okay. you're over 44, 45, you're, you're just ancient in MMA media. And you've seen right. it all. And uh, there are some OGs like that. Like, Kevin Ioli covers everything. I was, so, I was just about to I, tell you. Like, Kevin uh, Ioli is the one guy. Ioli's the Yahoo is Kevin. I don't know if he's still on Yahoo, but Kevin Ioli, he's a, he's a beast. I remember yeah. reading him forever. Still on Yahoo. He's the godfather. So, Kevin okay. Kevin doesn't even count. He's the outlier here. But you'll, you'll have some people, um, like uh, Jeremy Botter comes out and all this. Like, some people were, like, in their 40s. And then, or late 30s, 40s. And then you have, like, you know, the Aerials and... Um, mm-hmm. Luke and all these guys who are like right. in the 30 Andreas they're they're all like in that 30s bracket and then I, for a long time I was just the youngest one everyone looked at me like I was weird because I started covering UFC uh-huh. at 24 whoa so I was easily the youngest person in a room and this media room doesn't change I've known the same people in this media room for 26 years so it's been like the same maybe they add one new person a year I swear like the UFC is pretty strict on who they let in but really? Once, yeah, but once you're in, you're in for like life. It's crazy. It's really like the mob. But but what's what's harder, UFC or the your Joe Blow Cinco de Mayo card on Canelo fight? No, UFC. I mean, boxing credentials. Anyone? There was really a, yeah Mayweather Maidana two. There was like a riot in the MGM lobby, or it could have been Mayweather Pacquiao, and and uh, people thought they were shooting. And people were trying to run in for safety into the media room. So they had to try to get all these people out. And I'm like trying to be in the media room because that's where I have to be. And I'm running. Right. And I remember looking over next to me and in like a G-Unit wife beater was Brian Pumper. Like the adult <laughs> star Brian Pumper. like there, fake just, Julie, just hanging out. With a credential. Credentials. I, I was like, yo, your credentials. So yeah, they had to let me and Brian Pumper in. They let everyone's crew, people's moms, uncles, cousins Every, with credentials. So, uh, yeah, no, so, yeah, boxing. So, so I could have so gone to that Wilder fight? Oh, yeah, easy. I had to choose that weekend because I'm trying to save all my time at CBS and my off days uh-huh. for my wedding that's coming up. Oh, okay. Congrats, so, by the way. Thank you. So I had to choose, and it was either free tickets to Survivor Series in LA the weekend before oh. and, and NXT because uh, Ronda okay. hooked up the entire staff. Or wait and cover the Wilder fight. I was like, you know what? I'm going to wrestling. I was like, I, I, I had to go. They're like third row tickets on the floor. Damn. I was like, no, I, I must have missed you. I was on the other side. I said, I got, I got a front row seat at the last second. Oh, see, yeah. Next time, next time we're checking out. I'm going we're to gonna, Phoenix for Rumble. So I got, I've never been to a Royal Rumble. I gotta go. I've done a SummerSlam, a WrestleMania, and a Survivor Series now. Yeah, it's my favorite, my favorite pay per view too. And we're going to Mania, of course. We go every year, but. Um, Does yes. WWE credential people? They do. Andreas has credentials. I don't know. I don't know oh, how that. That's works. a trip. They didn't even know that. Yeah, but um, I've been credentialed once, and that was for the like fan experience I applied uh-huh. for because they have NXT matches, the meet and greets, all this stuff. So I thought that was really cool, and I wrote okay. about that. But nonetheless, we always buy our tickets for Mania just because we we like sitting close and being fans and cheering. And a lot of these venues, you know, the stadiums, like legit outdoor stadiums. So if you're in the press box, you're a far ways away. Wow. So, yeah, we always buy our tickets and just be like, ah, we're just going as fans. Like those type of events, you just want to have a beer and chill. 
right. and hang out. So yeah, man, it's it's so different. All the different sports I cover, it's amazing how different areas of journalism uh, change the rules, just the, the atmosphere. So, you know, I, I go in baseball atmosphere, so kind of upkept and, and quiet, and it's still like, you know, America's game and right. the good boys club. It's, that's weird to me. Um, it's just a different bounce. It's not like a fun vibe. Boxing's a little more loose. UFC is my favorite probably journalism room and atmosphere because we're all, at this point, there, there's only so many spots in MMA journalism, it seems like, uh-huh. and we just kind of rotate spots. But there's not that feeling of like competition. Like Ariel's not going to be like, yo, you're going to come take my job in 10 years. Right, I can't talk right, to right, you. Right. Like everyone's just chill. Everyone's cool. And, and no one's like worried about any of that. We we all have fun. There's a ton of pro wrestling fans. I've met most of my friends in journalism in the UFC room. Mm-hmm. So like my boy Ryan McKinnell from ESPN Radio here, um, who used to work for UFC Magazine. Uh, Danny Acosta, who did Sirius and UFC Magazine, all, all these people on JS I met in that room. So that's that's one of the best environments. I genuinely like covering UFC fights. Um, and there's just something to the live dynamic. Even in the arena, it feels like a party. So it's one who's, of my favorite who's, things. who's crazier, Mexicans or Irish? Wow. Um, that's, that's close. I'm going... The Irish for Connor... Is a whole different vibe. Okay. Because I'm not sure if they're crazier in general. Because the Mexican fans, it's like next one up. It like, doesn't matter who's no, in the ring. If, if, if that you, guy's red, white, and green, we're going to we're war. Going with them. every time. Like they don't care, and they always have their next golden boy, right? Like they'll yep. die for Oscar. Then they went. You know, we're dying for Canelo now. Like you go down the line, Marquez. No, they, the Marquez Pacquiao fight as wildly popular as Pacquiao is. The, and there's a huge Filipino community here in Vegas. There were probably 15% Pacquiao fans, 85% Mexican Marquez fans. You, I couldn't get out of the arena into the press room because at the old MGM, the press room was upstairs the same way the fans come in. So you got to go out the press row, up the escalator, and through uh-huh. kind of the casino a little bit to get to the media room. Mm-hmm. It took me 45 minutes to do that, which is usually a four-minute walk. <laughs> and it's only because, like, every Chaos. two seconds they stop. They have flags. They had, like, Rey Mysterio custom mask <laughs> with the Mexican colors. They, I mean, everything. I saw a guy who looked exactly like La Parca. He might have been. And he was there. He was credentialed, too. <laughs> I just didn't see it. <laughs> and then he's, like, jumping around. They, and every two seconds they stop with the flags and they have a new chant. And they, oh, man, it was it was incredible that and they always fight on the holidays yeah so it makes it even more crazy so i would say mexican fan base as a whole but the irish fan base for connor is something special they, i uh they climbed the lion a, in the mgm no it's cool they, they climbed the lion in the mgm they put an octagon around the little lion in the lobby oh, they climbed no. it they were drinking on top of the lion's head they closed down las vegas boulevard because they all just went into the street as a mob like all into the street, just dancing and laughing, and with ole 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 ole, and they went across Las Vegas Boulevard. Traffic couldn't go. I was like, "Oh, these people I, are wild." I, I love. I've them. been missing. I've been missing out on greatness, Kel. You just man, you're you're you got some crazy memories. Yo, it's crazy. Mayweather fight weekends, which are just de facto Memorial Day weekends. Uh, me and Andreas laugh all the time. He went to school in Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, Morehouse, I believe, but. Um, 
we laugh all the time because I was like, this is the closest thing to what like my uncles and my dad and everyone experienced in the nineties with freak Nick in Atlanta. I was like, it, it is no joke. It's like every Drake party in Miami. Like you, you look at like a Drake video that was Mayweather fights here in Vegas. He's, just, he's coming back, so hopefully I get to attend this one. It was he's going to have another fight. Like, you take everyone you see on Instagram, all uh-huh. those Instagram models. Yes. You bring them all here. And they're all staying, like, six per room. So you get a two-bedroom for, like, $400. Uh-huh. And all the hotel rates are, spi- rates are spiked up. And, like, seven Instagram models are going to fit in one room and not go to the fight. They're just here to be here and be in the atmosphere and like attend some of the parties and look cool like they're in Vegas. I never understood that. Like 70% of the people that come to Vegas couldn't afford a ticket to a Mayweather fight because they're so expensive. They just come here to hang out and for the atmosphere. And it's like the world's largest block party. It's that's crazy. We we go out and we just say we're, you know, we're loitering the halls of the MGM because we'll sit there. We'll Uh sit in the MGM lobby just after one of the uh, fight week events, maybe like uh-huh. the press conference, and we just watch people walk in and out. The crazy outfits, the guys with like $18,000 worth of golds in their mouth. Right. Coming through with sweatsuits. Like, it's matching sweatsuits, like a whole camp of people. Like, what oh. is this? It, it's some of the funniest things to watch. So there's nothing like a Mayweather weekend, too. They're all My- so different. Sorry? They're also different. Like the crowds at each one. Every I'm fighter sure. has an atmosphere that's completely different, but yet fun. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I was gonna like Mayweather is the Miami Memorial Day weekend. Canelo is just probably like spring break in Cancun or something. And then like Connor, Connor is just like Irish cokeheads just ready to go to war. Maybe Yo, I don't I, even know. It Connor. It, <laughs> If you're not drunk with them, they will drag you to being drunk with them. Love it. I'm like, no, my credential. I'm here working. They're like, no, mate, you finished. You finished work. McGregor. And then, like, they're just giving you free liquor. They're like wizards it. with alcohol bottles. They just produce it out of thin air. And then next thing you know, don't ask for a cup or to measure a shot. You're swigging whiskey with a guy you just met 10, 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Like they, they just have no no rules. The girls can out drink everyone. Wow. I don't I don't know what they what it is about Irish women. They're like five two, hundred and twenty pounds, and they're drinking proper twelve like it's water. I'm with it. It's it's a whole different environment. And there's a if people haven't been to Vegas, you really should. But if you haven't been here, there's a no open liquor law. On the strip. Right. So right, you walk right, right. down the block in front of cops and everything, swigging out of a bottle of liquor. So, oh, you tell them that they're double fisting beers. They're, it's incredible. Khabib and Connor. Where, well, how was that when, when homie jumped the cage? Because you were, were, you were, where were you sitting for that? Yeah. So the media section, they didn't have any media on the floor. Okay. So they put you like one section up because they sold all the floor seats. Like to, sure. to kill it profit wise. Um, they've done that for the past two Connor fights. Okay. Actually. So they take you off the floor where you usually are and put you like one row up. So I was like, all right, cool. So I was watching from there and Connor's obviously getting worked in the fourth round. He had a great third round. Um, people would say that's the only round he won. I thought that was the second round he won. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I give him the first, just laying on someone on the ground off of one takedown does not earn you a round. And he was punching 
Khabib in the head quite quite a bit from the bottom. So I think Connor outlanded him in that round. So, not popular opinion. Connor won the third, clearly, got worked in the fourth. So it's like, okay, we can see he's tired. It, it sapped his energy to fight. I'm like, all right, he's about to quit. He taps. Cool. Start putting my head down to right. And you just think like, okay, whatever. And then you hear this roar Mm -hmm. and look up and you notice Khabib is out of the cage and going after Dylan. And you're Mm -hmm. just like, oh my God. So everyone's looking and trying to look at what's going on and see what's happening there. And then you look into the octagon and you just see like two blurs running towards the octagon. And I'm like, oh, is Khabib going back in? Nope. Khabib is still fighting down there doing like jump kicks at Dylan, and you just see these two guys go in the octagon. You don't know who they're fighting, and then next thing you know, you see Connor uh, swing or Connor like in defense mode, and you think these guys like hit Connor. You, it looked worse than what the replay showed. It in okay. my mind, it, in my mind that night, I was like, oh, this is malice in a palace. Like right. it's, it's the equivalent of Ron Artest, you know, going into the stands and knocking people out. It, it was that bad, and fights started to break out in the arena. At that I was point. just about to ask you, like, did you feel like a riot was going to break out? And oh yeah, no, like they don't talk about that shit anymore because they try to sweep it under a rug. You know, they, uh-huh. they want these two guys to come back and make money, but no, like people were getting slapped in the in the rows from the upper what? balcony all the way down. We're trying to at this point, we pack up our stuff. We're like, oh, we got to get to the tent. Cops are everywhere. We're like, oh, we're not getting. My first thing, I'm not getting pepper sprayed. Like, right. I, I got to write this article. I can't have my eyes bleeding. So I'm like trying to, so after they break them up in the ring and stuff, we're trying to get back through the front because you got to come through the front of the arena and around the tents out back. So we're going there. Cops got three people in handcuffs. Another guy was just slapped with a right hand, Irish fan, got slapped by this Russian fan. He's laid out on the floor. Like, it, it was crazy. We saw probably five fights in 10 minutes from the arena getting to the back of there. And it was a full evacuation um, of the of T-Mobile as fast as they could. One of the people I work with at CBS, him and his dad go to every fight. Mm-hmm. And his dad's probably like 70. Oh, man. He said it was crazy. Like He was like, I can't bring my dad. And there's diehard Connor fans. So I don't think I'll bring my dad to another fight. Like There were people fighting in his row. And they had like 200 level tickets. And he spent money on these tickets. Sure. And he's just like, no, I can't justify that anymore. He's like, they were fighting three rows ahead of us. And I'm trying to get my dad out of there and he can't move fast. Like right. what, what happened? And we're a balcony up. Like if he trips, someone fights, throws a punch and he rolls. Like it was crazy. And that was all over from the concession stand. Say it was madness with people trying just, to get out of there. I, you know, people were saying it was a different kind of energy. And I and I now I had, it was just like a probably just a very tense like right when you walk into the building, Kel, you're probably like this is, huh? This is some weird. Sh- this is gonna be different. This is gonna be a different night. Well, you you during the lead up, you honestly thought Khabib might try to kill him. Like I, mm-hmm. I th- you thought Khabib would like choke him to the point and be like, oh, I didn't feel him tap. Right. Like to make a point, make him pass out. Make like Khabib was was that serious. Like Khabib took the the fight build up. As honest to God disrespect. They, oh, for sure. He came at everything. Yeah, this this wasn't like he he pulled notes from the past and in you know his father and all this. Khabib was there for a reason. You know the the dolly through the window. All this stuff really built up with Khabib. And I think to this day Khabib's not you know forgiving anyone. They're not forgetting if there's a rematch, in which I think eventually there will be. Sure. Um, Khabib's going to take it just as serious. 
That's why, and his entire camp did as well. And and that's this was something more than MMA because Connor still, at the end of the day, was treating it as sport. Right. The trash talk, everything was just part of the sport. It was just ammo. It's like battle rap. Like you're on right. stage and you're talking about someone's moms or the type of sneakers they have. Or, you know, you stealing their girl. But at the end of the day, when the round is over and battle rap, you, you leave. You know, it's like it's like no one ran up and snuffs B-Rabbit at the end of 8 Mile. Right. So that that's all this was for Connor And Khabib, nah, Khabib and them don't play that. And I, you bring the religion in, which a lot of people, you know, touched on. You, you bring those religious aspects in and kind of tied that into the trash talk. And once that was happening, it was over. I feel like if that fight was at MGM rather than T-Mobile, it would have been a it would have been tenfold because because I've never been to the T-Mobile arena, but I feel like once people leave a fight, they just disperse. Whereas if you were there was a fight at the MGM Grand Garden, everybody just floods into the casino, and I feel I I'm like that if that fight was at MGM Grand Garden, that would have just been chaos. Like that would have been call the fire marshal. Oh, it would have been it would have been a hundred times worse because getting out of the MGM. Grand Garden Arena itself was difficult. There's only okay. two narrow exits mm-hmm. to even get out. T-Mobile Arena, at least it has space. You know, right. you have a giant arena. You can go out the front, the back. There's still a circle. Like, you know, you got multiple options. Each row has their own nice little space to get out of. The elevators are nice. No. Grand Garden is like a tuna can. If, you're, if you are a person buying the tickets, you can't even get out on the ground level. That's only for floor seats. So everyone has to exit this top level, and there's about three doors to get out of. Oh, man. And then an escalator to go down, which is packed. And then the main exit is probably the size of, like, uh, an apartment living room. So everyone's trying to squeeze through there. People have been running and panicking. Yeah, it would have. the brawls would have spread out into the casino. People were staying there. Like, how do you – you can't evacuate a casino. Right. Like, there's normal people there as well. Um, getting cops in and out of there, it would have been, that would have been reckless. But um, T-Mobile, thankfully, had a better plan, a better setup. They just tell people, get out, go to wherever you're staying. You know, get out of here. You could you close T-Mobile. It closes every night. Right. MGM never closes. It, it would have been, <laughs> been madness if that was there. So, thankfully, they, this was do at they ever do one at? Do they ever do fights at the MGM Grand still? Do they do them do at the Grand Garden, or is it just strictly T-Mobile, Mandalay? Pretty much just T-Mobile and Mandalay. Like, it has to be double booked if you're going to the MGM Grand. Um, I feel like Pacquiao Broner is in the MGM Grand Garden. Oh, my God. That fight's coming up. Yep. So, that's coming up in, in like, a month's time. So, that'll be my next fight Ooh. in the Grand Garden. I may have to take it. I may have to. I may have to pencil in some time for that one. Is <laughs> have you interviewed Adrian Broner before? I feel like he'd be. He. I feel like he's the definition of reckless for an interview. Yeah, I've interviewed him three, four times. I haven't interviewed wow. him in two years. It got to the point where I was just like, man, I don't. I don't need your content this <laughs> much. Maybe really, like I, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna just look on your Instagram if I want to write about you at this point because right. during an interview he's. He's so all over the place. One, he always comes in with an attitude. And then depending mm-hmm. on what you ask him, you can ask him the most normal question and he'll just go off on the rails. Like he's he's always up and down mentally. And in person, he'll be cool and chill sometimes. Right. And then I saw him, man, I, I feel like it was a Thurman fight. It was Keith Thurman versus Sean Porter, oh, I believe. Okay. 
Um, and that was at the MGM Grand Garden, and Adrian Broner is just around, and his, you know, about billions of people, and they're matching track suits, like they're the Royal Tenenbaums. Like, it, it was ridiculous. I was like, I'm a grown man. I'm not matching another grown man. Like, I can pick out my own clothes, sir. Like, you just lay this on the bed for me. It, his whole entourage is a weird thing. But we had talked several times before then. We had normal interviews. When it was coming up, we had normal interviews. Sure. And then I remember just walking up to him and be like, hey, Adrian, I asked him a question. I think um, this was like right after one of the shootings or something. And they were giving out shirts that was like, you know, uh, I forgot who was shot. But it was, um, you know, I like some type of like, okay, you know, maybe like Trayvon Martin or something. Or right. like I wear a hoodie too or something. Like it was like one of those, you know? Okay. Um, and they were handing out shirts and I saw him take the shirt and they were handing out all the fighters to wear during a press conference. He took the shirt, looked at it, and it was like, I don't give a I don't give a F about anyone but myself. I'm A B and threw it back at the chick. Wow. And I was like, yo, what? So the next day I asked him, I was like, yo, Adrian Broner. I was like, yo, Adrian, what up? I was like, uh, you know, we talked a couple of times. Um, why weren't you wearing the shirts like the other guys? Because I wasn't even, I didn't even pose it of like, I saw you throw the shirt. Right. And heard what you said. I just said, why aren't you wearing the shirt like these other guys? Man, who are you? Who are you to question me? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, Yo, we talked several times before. It's a normal question. And he right. tried to like grandstand me. And after that, I was like, man, I'm not interviewing you anymore. Like you need us more than we need you. Oh yeah, especially Cause, now. Yeah, because you're, you're going to lose and you're just a clown. Like you, you want press to spin these stories to keep you interesting, to get you this money. Like you can only do so much press off your Instagram, throwing money in the toilet and flushing it, or you know, wilding out and crying and all this stuff. So after that, I was like, Nah, you're not gonna grand scan stand me. So I haven't talked to Adrian right. in like two years. I, oh, okay, I'm man. not going to interview him to lead up to this. I will interview Pacquiao. I'll right. write from that point, and I'll you know I'll write what I honestly feel. Adrian Broner is here to get Molly walked. He's just doing it for a lot of money. Damn. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break. All right, we're back, and um, man, I got more questions for Kel, but let's get into the meat of this. Uh, I want to talk some fights. Let's. I'm a pugilist at heart, Kel. I love some combat sports, and you know what? Canelo was looking really thick in the garden this weekend, opening up the DAZN, the DAZN deal for his 11-fight, uh, $365 million uh, contract there, Kel. It's, uh, it was a beatdown. I, I, I got a free <laughs> month. I got a free month of Rocky Felding and Canelo. I got my wasted my free month. I'm sorry. I know your co-host Andreas works for DAZN, <laughs> but my man Canelo put on there three rounds of sparring. Come on, Kel. What are we doing with Rocky Felding? Listen, they they understood what this was. This is a, you know what? We're paying you a lot of money. You're not mm -hmm. going to only fight two times a year. Right. You're going to have to fight three. Wow. And one of them will be a cupcake glorified sparring. This one happens to be a cupcake glorified sparring for belts, which is like the 18th belt in the weight class. So it's like, okay, cool. But you can call yourself a three-division champion. So sure. it has some merit to it. But this is really just to get people to tune into the subscription three times for you instead of two. 
Because sooner or later, we have to recoup our money and our investment in you. And doing so only twice a year isn't going to cut it. Right. So three times, okay, now we're kind of paying you for something. So we'll see this out of him every December, I believe, for you know next two, what, two more Decembers? Maybe three. You think he's you think he's gonna do every December as well because all they advertised on the show was the May fourth and the September fourteenth card. Yeah, I think they'll just they didn't advertise this until he won in September. Oh, that's you're right, you're right, you're right. And then I was just like, hey, yeah, cool. By the way, Canelo's fighting because yeah, he's young enough to still fight three times a year, especially if the the last one is a glorified sparring match, and that's what we saw here and. It's cool to see how he looked at that weight class. So there's stuff to take away from it. Sure. So you can say, you know what? Canelo looked good at a heavier weight class. This is a guy fighting 154 or, you know, for the Mayweather fight, cutting down to 152 mm-hmm. three, four years ago. This guy looks comfortable at 168. Right. He fits perfectly at 160. So you look at where his body is and the power is, the, the reach sooner or later will get him. If mm-hmm. he keeps trying to move up and fight some of these taller, linkier guys sure. um, in elite level competition, but it's cool to know he can do that. So if he has to put on a super fight, he has options. He's no, no, he's in he's in the realm of like, okay, I can, you know, I, I'm just not stuck with Triple G. Right. I have options in multiple weight classes. If I got to go back down to 155 and take a, a super fight down there, I can. If I if he feels frisky and he wants to challenge a Charlo. Which is no. probably ill-advised. <laughs> no. uh, he can do so as well. So you you never know now. Now he's just giving himself more options. More options you have, the more negotiation you have with a guy like you know Triple G or uh, Jacobs or whoever you may want to fight. You get a bigger piece of, of the pie. Even though a lot of his money's guaranteed, but I'm sure there's those little those little things he can add on to it, and that's what he's fighting for. I'm all for uh, I'm all for Canelo's house show every December. I'm all for that. I'm all. I'm on board. I'm on board with this, Cal. Yeah. Like, every December he leaves Vegas, right? He, his two main fights are in Vegas, but every December he leaves Vegas and he puts on a house show. This one was at the Garden. Next year, probably Texas or Florida. You can take him over to the UK. Like I, I, I really dig this for Canelo. This is a possibility, especially with all the matchroom boxing stuff going on, right? With with the zone, they could do a UK fight with Canelo in December's. Oh, easily. Uh, easily, easily, and they have so many. Uh, European fighters on their right. roster because of Hearn. And yeah, you can throw one of those guys in there with Canelo and, and go and, you know, send them to the O2 or Wembley or wherever you want and have right. them do 70,000 real quick, easy money. You just take that gate. Like, yeah, I feel like exactly what you said is going to happen. It's going to be the traveling Canelo show every December. Um, I, I think he still has another date in Jerry's world. Oh, yeah. And, and right. sell that out in, in Dallas. And, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be tough fights. He's just staying active. Right. And this is probably something he would do in the gym anyway. Sure. Some hard sparring rounds just to keep active in the winter. Might as well get a nice little check off of it. So I, I think he'll do that. I think we're going to see that as a model for more boxers as these um, these platforms clamor for content. So you're signing all these deals. PBC signs the deal. Um, with right. Fox, you have HBO, or excuse me, HBO is out of it, but you have Top Rank signing with ESPN. Right. And sooner or later, you know, your your fighters, you you want these huge matchups. You know, you want Errol Spence versus Mikey Garcia, but sure. you, you can't do that three times a year. Right. So the next Spence fight might be, you know, Spence versus whoever's the mandatory. 
Right. You let him whoop up on him real quick and then come back with Keith Thurman. And you, you build from there. You don't go back to back to back and just kill all your your great fights in a row. This so, is how we end up with uh, Danny Garcia versus Adrian Granados and like Sean Porter versus some random guy. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> now, uh, you know what I mean? Sean Porter is the most random. Like Sean Porter is one of the most unique boxers there is because that guy wants to fight all the top guys without a break. They just won't fight him. I love it. Because yeah, he's like, to fight him. yeah, because he's just a dog. Like, even if he loses, you're going to feel it. Keith Thurman hasn't been the same. No. Since that, since that. Has fight. he fought since then? Because I always feel like he's hurt. Oh, man. He, he's been hurt for a while. I think he's right. fought since then. I feel like he beat up on Garcia. Um, But no, he definitely hasn't been the same since then. And he's now finally talking about coming back. Mm-hmm. So, but he's. He's so low on the totem pole now. He left his one time and the next, you know, big guy on the on the welterweight throne, the successor of Mayweather, to he's an afterthought. He's not Errol Spence. He's not Bud Crawford. Right. He, he'd have to beg these guys for the B-side money. So it, it's weird to leave and, and just see all that luster gone. Yeah, his last fight was a uh, split decision win over Danny Garcia. Right, I remember that fight. And it was a good fight. It was a good fight. I, I'm not biggest fan of Danny. Like, I don't think Danny's that good. He didn't do to Danny what Errol Spence did to him. No. So it's just, yeah, it, it, it's it's weird. Thurman's in, like, a weird malaise as a boxer. Um, but I love what they're doing with Canelo. I love what the, the zone is doing. Yeah. Um, even if Andres didn't work there. <laughs> I just like their model. Uh, I pay for it every month. My okay, gra- my grandma. I just got my first month in, and I can't. I I can't wait to see it because you figure that the same, it's the same price as paying for two Canelo pay per views. Essentially, you're paying one twenty a year, so you're end up you're gonna end up spending the same anyway. Yeah, exactly. And then you get all the other stuff for free. They got a lot of good boxers on there. My grandma watches all of their fights. Like whenever it's on, like she watch. It doesn't matter who's watching, or who's fighting. My grandma's uh tuned into it. That's why I'm in combat sports. It's because my grandmother. Yeah, I mean, she had me watching fights at three years old. Like, we we had, I think, statute of limitations are up. But we had the, the legal cable box in New York. So we got all the pay-per-views for free. So that's why, like, we, we used to watch wrestling and, and throw those parties. And people come over our house to watch Survivor Series, SummerSlam, WrestleManias. I mean, since I was three years old, all the way through growing up. Um, we had boxing on every weekend. And we were, she's a crazy little Puerto Rican woman. So we were always watching... It's just, it felt like boxing was in our blood, you know? So she still watches boxing every weekend. Every, every weekend. If there's boxing on, she got it. So I make sure she has HBO. Make sure she has Showtime. zone. I got her ESPN+. Plus. I, I pay for all that for her because that's what she does. And it's been, I'm 30, so it's 27 years that I know of. But she's been watching boxing forever before then. And it's always been her thing. So growing up with that was my love for combat sports. So again, to cover it as an adult... Is amazing. Um, I've taken her to fights. So I took her to see Lomachenko a couple years ago in New York. Wow. And MSG. So we saw that one. That was a great fight. Um, I've sent her to a couple Verdejo fights in, in Puerto Rico because she lives in Puerto Rico. Oh, right on. So I'll send her out there and get her tickets and make sure they take care of her. And she goes, she watches Verdejo fight. She just went three weeks ago in his return fight. So she, she gets to go to all these cool things. So it's cool that I can take her there. You know, and um, she gets to see stuff in a little different angle. She had never been to a live boxing match 
till I started covering it and I took her. So it's a cool aspect for me to give back. Cause yeah, without her doing that when I was growing up, I I wouldn't be doing any of this. That's all, dude. That's it's it's crazy how that is, right? Like you grow up around what you like, and it's like somebody, a family member, introduces it to you, and that's what you do for life. It's it's all about what we grow around. Yeah, you you never know how it's gonna turn. Like I went to college originally to be a nurse. Wow. Yeah, like I was. I went to a medical high school here in Vegas. That's why I flew out here. I went to a medical high school, got all these certs and all this stuff. Went to college. Was gonna go nursing school, be a nurse practitioner, and uh, maybe a doctor, depending on if I want to spend that much time in school. But uh, yeah, nah, I wanted to be Gregory House from like the show and just to do stuff. And like, and I still love medicine and all that stuff. But I was like, yo, I don't want to do this for a living. And then you just remember like stuff from your childhood. And you'd be like, oh, let me try this. And then it, it works out. So you never know like where it's going to take you and how that's going to help. But getting into combat sports and then be like, yo, I have this wealth of knowledge. Right. I've been watching for so long, but I didn't know why I was watching. I was just watching because it was enjoyable. But now it, it helps so much because I, even being young, it's like, no, I saw that fight. Or I remember the atmosphere around this. Like, I remember how people felt during these things. So so it's pretty cool. It, I feel like that's one of the things that closes the age gap between me and Andreas. Because mm-hmm. I call him old man Andreas all the time on a podcast. And uh, he looks at me like I'm crazy because of my hot takes. And he'd be like, oh, you can tell. And he tries to call me a millennial, not a millennial. <laughs> But I'd be like, okay, so like you can tell there's like a seven year age gap there. But I was thankfully in boxing and wrestling. I, I've watched a lot of those things because I grew up with it, right? And I, you know, have crazy recall of all that good stuff. So yeah, it really is my grandma just not knowing it was gonna pay off, and then now it, you know, it pays the bills. So shout out to my grandma. It's also why I pay everything for. Because like, listen, man, this this money is yours as much as it is mine. I uh, I grew up. My dad's Nicaraguan, so he he's always loved he's always loved boxing, and I just every weekend every the, every big fight would be on the big screen. Didn't matter who it was. I remember watching Trinidad and De La Hoya, Vargas De La Hoya, all these you know every every big fight in the in the early '90s, late '90s, 2000s. I don't remember much Tyson on the screen. I think that I was a little too young to remember that, but I remember just every watching all those big fights. And then as I got older. I would watch these random fights. I would tell my friends, like, no, I got to go watch uh, Bernard Hopkins versus Winky Wright. And they'll be like, wait, what? <laughs> Who? I was like, yeah, man, that's a, that's a good fight. I got to watch. It's an interesting fight. What? They're like, what are you talking about? And that, I always, that's how I always was. Like, I would always watch the most random fights. And I, would, I just loved watching uh, anybody that was on HBO. I would, I would go on. I would try to find a stream for it. It didn't matter. I would watch Chocolatito. I'd watch Chocolatito on YouTube when he was just a Jap- in Japan. Wow, you know, I, I just love I just loved watching fights. Um, who was my favorite guy? Yeah, I mean, just crazy shit. Mayweather, Del, you know, all the way from 07. and uh, Mayweather, De La Hoya was big, and and from then and on, I I really was following it super duper hard. And UFC as well because, like, Chuck and Rampage was my first big UFC fight. I don't I don't remember what yours was, but for me, it was when Chuck and Rampage fought in UFC. That was like, oh my god, that's like it's going down, and now I'm hooked. Like that was my first big fight. Yeah, I'm thinking – I remember seeing Chuck fight, but I think that was like my second one. Um, man, I got into MMA. I've now watched it, obviously, all going back because I've had to do articles and everything. But right, um, first one, like casually seeing, I think might have been UFC 100. Mm. And at the time, I always still kept up with boxing, but I never really like gave MMA – 
like a, a legit shot. So I was still in college. Right. And like my ex-wife had this friend that she worked with and her boyfriend was really into the UFC. So mm-hmm. she was like, oh, come hang out. Come hang out. We're having a fight party. We're having a fight party. And one time I was like, yo, all right, let's go. So we went over there and we hung out with them and it was on. And I watched it there. So I was like, cool. So, you know, at the time, I'm not knowing I'm watching John Jones before he's John Jones. You know, I was like on this card. And I'm just watching the fights. And it's cool. And I knew Brock Lesnar. So I was like, I was like most casuals. And I watched it and I thought it was cool, but I didn't understand the ground game. And like, he knew all this stuff about it. And I was like, oh, all right, that's, that's crazy. So, uh, but I enjoyed it. Someone was bloody as hell that night too. So I thought it was cool, but I didn't really go back to it. And then until I, you know, started covering sports and then had the yep. opportunity to go and get into MMA. So I had to do a crash course in MMA in like six months and watch all this stuff and go back and. I uh, I binge Strike Force. Mm-hmm. I binge WEC. Um, oh my god! I remember WEC. Remember that? Remember that Aldo Faber pay per view? Oh, incredible! And, and they, didn't, they, they didn't even have any WEC uh, logos anywhere. I thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing. I was like, "What is what is this?" They just called it Aldo versus Faber. Great fight, by the way. Uriah's leg was ridiculous. Get this but leg great off. fight. Oh uh, yeah, no, yeah. I, I binged all of those. Man, um, I've started to go more through Pride now. Yeah. Because uh, one of the things, I was just like, okay, I never really went deep into the pride stuff. But like now, over the past year, people have been giving me recommendations and everything else. So I've been going through pride. I, I've been, I've seen um, all of Fedor's fights now. You know, I, I saw some of the better years of the guys. You know, I, I'm still watching fight today. That, you know, it's crazy that they were in pride just wrecking stuff and the different rule set in there. So yeah, I, I went through a crash course, but I... I probably then that means I started watching like religiously 2012. So from 2012 on, I've watched every UFC event. Wow. And most Bellator events. Just because, you know, it's needed for work and write an article about. Attended, attended since 2012. Yeah, I've attended all of them here and I've traveled for a few, but I've oh. watched every single one. Gotcha. I haven't missed a UFC event, television, fight pass, pay per view. I haven't missed one in five, six years. Wow, that's impressive, man. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. So that's that's another thing. When you jump in, like I didn't know anything about UFC. I could have said no. I just want to cover boxing. Um, but the UFC was right here. Right. I had those opportunities, and they're like, "Hey, do you want to cover it?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then now it's my main thing to cover. Like I I love it. So you just never know what what comes up, and you can always learn. Say yes, you can always learn it. There's people who've been covering it, you know, since 2001, since '99. And I just started in 2011. At the end of the day, if you're willing to put in the time, you can always learn. They saw it live. I, I had to see it on tape delay. But at the end of the day, we saw the same exact thing. And it, you know what? As long as the, the paychecks match up, I don't care how long you've been doing it. So that's that's the key. You just put in the grind, put in the time. It's, it's all possible. Kel, we both agree that Canelo Alvarez is a Hall of Famer. Right, because it's, it's pretty loosely on what a Hall of Famer is. Okay, three-division champion, sure, great record, okay. Mexican pride, fought a lot of great guys. Cool, cool, cool. But what is Canelo's next appointment? Who, I'm sorry. But who is Canelo's next appointment come May 1st? May 1st. It's May 4th, right? It's Star Wars Day they're fighting. May, May 4th. 4th. Yep. May the 4th be with you. Canelo is Star Wars Day. I hope he comes out with a cool uh, Darth Vader entrance or, or something. He better come out hot. <laughs> Uh, but who is going to be his next opponent? I, I, I'm thinking Danny Jacobs. Triple G is still a free agent. Danny Jacobs is with the zone. I don't think they're going to throw another Brit. David Lemieux couldn't make the weight. 
So you got to take him out of there. And I, I'm saying Danny Jacobs, Kel. What do you think? Who are we seeing in May? Oh, man. I'm a I'm going to go with, with Jacobs just because I think they want to let the Triple G fight marinate a little more. Sure. But I fully expect Triple G at the end of the day to sign with the zone. Okay. I, I do. It's it's where you want to be as a middleweight. You don't want to be anywhere else. So um, I, I feel like Triple G gets the deal done. If it's in time for May 4th, that's the only thing sure. I'm worried about. So I, I got to see that. I wouldn't be surprised, though. I wouldn't be surprised for them to throw it together again that quick. But I think Triple G goes off and he fights someone else as well yeah. and then lets it kind of, you know, come come to fruition. And then in September, they go at it again. I feel like people had maybe a little bit of a hangover from it. Each, yes. All the fights were so controversial and um, how they were judged. And it's just a letdown by the end of each fight mm-hmm. that you need a little bit of a break. You want to see Canelo knock people out. You want to see him be tested. Um, Jacobs isn't an easy fight by any means. It might be a tougher fight just because of how much bigger he's going to be, right? Than even a, a Golovkin and some of these other guys. So that'll be interesting. I think Golovkin goes off fight someone else. I'll probably put my money on Jacob right here in Vegas for this next fight. I'm uh, I'm just like you. I think they're gonna steal the HBO playbook and their uh, Canelo's gonna beat. Uh, Danny Jacobs, and then he says, Triple G, you are next, again. And they're going to do the music, <laughs> and they're going to do the lights, and the, and the Seven Nation Army's going to play, and he's going to be like, I signed with DAZN. Check out my first fight on DAZN in July. I'm fighting in Monte Carlo or in or Kazakhstan, and boom, there's my showcase fight. I'm fighting Paul Felding. <laughs> so, Paul <laughs> Feld, so, so Paul Felding can get another paycheck. You get another three rounds out of him. And uh, there you go. Then Triple G and Canelo, three Live in the T-Mobile Arena, September 14th. I feel like he always fights in Monaco. What is with that? I, 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 I don't, there must be some rich – there's some good money out there in Monte Carlo. Maybe there's, the promoter likes it out there. I want him to fight on a boat because I remember there was a rumor that Tyson Fury and Klitschko almost fought on a mega yacht and somebody else – there was almost another fight on a yacht. I, why can't Triple G fight on a yacht? I would love to see that live on the zone. Triple G versus Felding live on a yacht. That would be, I, I would, I would pay my whole year to zone up front. If that, if they made that happen, oh, Who do I got to talk Andreas. I got to talk to Andreas this, about this. We'll I'm, I'm the boat. creative, creative director of the zone. Listen, this is what we're going to do. Canelo's coming in with a mariachi band. He's coming in with horses. He's got it all. <laughs> no, that'd be crazy. Listen, man, if, if I wasn't, apt to seasickness, I'd be down for that. But the motion gets me. I couldn't do it. I don't even take cruises. Oh, like, that that would be hilarious. It's like it's flying or like the yacht's moving and they're just yeah. trying to fight. They're like, yeah. wait a minute. She sent me to cover that fight. I'm like seasick. <laughs> There's... To try to type my way through it. It's all bad. Oh my gosh. Kel, I'm sure you checked out UFC on Fox 31 this weekend. Definitely did. The last UFC on Fox card ever in the history of Fox, Kel. It, I understand they try to make it feel big, yeah. But I, I'm not gonna miss it that much. I'm like, okay, like cool. I remember um, Kane defending his belt on Fox, which is like a big deal, right? But do do you remember it was like 58 minutes? No, not like it was 58 minutes of talking, and then they they showed the fight, and then it just finishes them like in one minute. Yeah. It's- <laughs> it was horrible buildup. They had Benson Henderson versus Clay Guida in the background. Instead of showing that great fight, 
they just had Dana yapping for 50 minutes about how great Cain Velasquez was just to get staunched <laughs> in the first <laughs> in the first bite of Fox. Yeah. Oh man, I don't. I think this ESPN deal is going to be so much better. I like love they, it. They they worked out the kinks, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see where they go. I enjoyed a lot of the fights they did have on Fox, though. So you know, I can't can't knock that. It's just it doesn't seem like that big of a of a deal to me. Like UFC 200 felt like a big deal, even though sure. it ended up not being because of John Jones' cocaine habit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that felt big. UFC 100, obviously, we'll get UFC 250. Um, this is an anniversary year, so that was pretty cool. The first New York card felt huge mm. to me. This last one, I was like, oh, I was like, all right, whatever. It's just it's just closing a chapter on a book. They'd finish it with two a top ten lightweight fight. It was a great fight. Listen, Kevin Lee. I thought he won two rounds. It was two two and coming to the fifth right, and Ayakinta just raged. He literally just. Became raging out. He fought back. He hurt Lee, I believe, in the third or the fourth. And that, that changed the whole thing, Kel. Tur- totally changed the momentum of the fight. And Ayakinta just took it. And now Lee is on the outside looking in at 155. Yeah, I mean, Styles make fights. I, I think that was close enough that, you know, he's still in the mix. Okay. And, and that's that's always the key. 155 is the deepest division in the UFC. You're telling me that. I, I think Lee gives problems problems to could be just off of you know just the the quickness the athleticism the the his wrestling is so good um al like we saw you know what al took it on short notice did very well against Khabib. sure you you look at a guy like poirier like hey, i think lee could be poirier on any given night the, that's the whole division it's a great like gaichi is just a madman i forgot about justin gaichi who is he fighting next He's not even scheduled yet. There you but go. He's on like got- a two or three fight winning streak now after, you know, right. getting um, beat by Alvarez and I think Poirier in back-to-back fights. He's like, mm-hmm. so what? And on any night, you tell me you don't want to see a Gaethje versus Khabib fight or Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson? I got a fight for you. How about Gaethje versus Max Holloway? I'm, I don't want to see Max move up. Max. Oh, okay. No, Max. Max is fine where he is. Um, Cleaning up one forty-five. Yeah, I like. I like the talk. I understand the bigger fights are up for Max. Right. But I, I think Max is just one of the guys if he moves up. Okay. I understand the amazing run. Um, people want to see him versus Connor again. I, I think it goes much like the first fight. I, I don't think Connor stops him, but I think Connor picks him apart. Um, people forget. Like it's it's incredible how short sighted. Everything is now. But, yes. you know, MMA fans and how fickle and everything. It was like, oh, Conor McGregor's done. He's mm. Conor McGregor lost to a guy with a distinct reach advantage and when he gassed. And then he fought Khabib, who is probably the worst stylistic matchup possible on earth for him. Right. And did what no one else has done, which is take a round from Khabib. I yeah. thought he took two. So if you're telling me he got choked out in the fourth and the fight is 2-1 Connor, that's one hell of a fight. And then we see if he adjusts. You know, like you, this MMA, you lose one. Sometimes you lose one, you give one, you come back. The number one pound-for-pound fighter in the UFC right now lost twice. And that's Cormier. But no yeah. one in heavyweight could beat him. Red. So, I mean, it's, it, it is what it is. It is what I, it is. I had this argument uh, or this uh, conversation on my podcast 
um, this past week at a fan appreciation episode, and someone asked me, where does mm-hmm. Cormier rank all time? said he's the greatest all-time fighter. Wow. They said, how? He's lost to John Jones twice. I said, well, that's easy. Cormier dominates a division like John Jones dominates a division. If you put John Jones' light heavyweight resume on the table, but Cormier's heavyweight resume on the table, in both, you find Hall of Famers, you find that they've beaten champions, and they've been untouchable in those weight classes. The only reason Cormier has losses on his record is because his biggest gripe is that he was a great friend. Right. And he said, my bestest of boys is a heavyweight. I'm not going to compete with that. Because I think DC washes Kane. Wow. Especially today, after all the injuries oh, and everything. Oh, yeah, especially today. DC will always say Kane is better. And I understand. And that's respect. DC beats Kane Velasquez. At this point, DC striking is better than Kane's. And if you want to call it wrestling a wash. I'd love to see that fight, I, I, to I be think, honest with you. Yeah, but the, a trade will happen before that fight happens. Oh, yeah. Easy. But uh, I, I don't think Kane knocks out Stipe like DC just did. I think DC's hands have come such a long way. DC and those John Jones fights stood with John. Right. He didn't just grapple and wrestle like, oh, that's all I got. He stood with John. He was feeding him uppercuts. Mm-hmm. He got caught. So I, I, I think DC is the better fighter. I, I could argue DC is the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. Arguably the greatest MMA heavyweight of all time is Daniel Cormier. Better than Fedor. Better than Fedor. Wow, that's that that's can, a whole episode can, right there. I can argue that. Like, and I that, think his resume gives me enough to do so. That'd be a great roundtable right there. Yeah, like you understand, it's when you fight people, and you know, names are just names on a resume. But he beat Stipe off the longest heavyweight win streak in he, UFC history. In like, UFC history, he won the Strikeforce heavyweight Grand Prix through names he, like Mir, Bigfoot Silva. And then you you got uh, Josh Barnett. He crushed Barnett. Uh, Dan he, Henderson. He manhandles. He beat Anderson Silva. So, love it or hate it. Yeah. Uh, um, beat Rumble Johnson, who's a crazy power puncher. Gu- be Gustafson. Be Gustafson. Like he, the resume is legit for Cormier. And I understand he lost to John. And the reason I don't put John on top of him is because Cormier, you, you, you say whatever it wants. Cormier is the champ. Champ. But John's run was crazy. John's though, run is incredible. In his 20s, Machida, Shogun, Rampage, Rashad. And, and John, one, you pop for steroids. Mm. I got I to gotta ding you a bit. Okay. I don't care what. Like, I, I, I let him go with the cocaine. Okay. You the coke what? is okay. I'm fine with five like, guys listen, signing on cocaine. Pe- people do coke. A lot, sure. of the, a lot of people signing the checks do coke. The fighters damn near should do coke too if they want to. God Why bless not? your heart. Whatever. Sure. If you can do coke on Tuesday and come and whoop ass on Saturday, you're you're a, you're a beast of a man. So you're do what you got to do. I let him get away with that. I I've ignored him hitting a pregnant woman and fleeing from the scene. I, I'm not even taking that into account with his legacy. It makes him a shit person, but I don't even take that account into his legacy. But you pop for dick pills once, which is what he said, and then you pop again. For a steroid, a known steroid masker. That's twice. That's twice with not recreational drugs. And the first time was a lame-ass excuse, but you got away with it. No one followed up. I would have been like, yo, John, that's cool, man, man. So um, this was fight week, right? Correct. Cool. So uh, I'm just going to assume that the cocaine left you a little limp. You needed dick pills. 
Be like, all right, cool, correct. Be like, John, um, you're a God-fearing man. This is all you preach. So I understand sometimes it's, it's a little difficult you know, doing your extracurriculars to get it up. So was your wife here fight week? Be like, hmm, no, my wife didn't come to this fight. John, so why do you need dick pills fight week if your wife isn't here? Okay, cool. So now we're just peeling away the layers of a hypocrite. Even then, I'll ignore that. To just the failed test. Anderson Silva is not making any, any of my all-time list anymore. Amazing. Mm. Hall of Famer. You're not doing shit for me all time. Dang. I'll put people in the Baseball Hall of Fame, too. A-Rod, Bonds. Bonds is the greatest player I've ever seen with my two eyes. Put him in the Hall of Fame. But you're not in my... If we have to rank best ever, you disqualify yourself from that combo. You could be a Hall of Famer, though. I ain't trying to take that away from you. But best ever? No, no, no. You you popped twice. You, you're at least taking a notch down. Because at least I say, this man did it clean. You did it dirty. I'm not removing you completely from the situation. But that has to be, that has to be a slash. Like, you have to get something deductive for that. That's the equivalent of a low blow. Got to take a point away. So you, you better come with the, the next level resume to catch up and make up in this fight. Because I got to take the point away for that. So is Connor number two? No, Connor hasn't defended a belt. You, so you go with Cormier now. Cormier not only won belts in multiple divisions. Are you going to go with Mighty Mouse on this one, on number two? I would go Cormier, UFC, just strictly UFC. Cormier, John 2, GSP. Mm. Cormier, John, GSP. Then we start getting into the Mighty Mouse, Anderson Silva right. discussion. Like, okay, Silva, once again, we just took a point away from Silva. So, okay. So, Mighty Mouse did a clean and dominated division. But when Mighty Mouse dared to be great, he couldn't beat Dominic Cruz in a heavier weight class. So, were you just a product of fighting guys at that weight and being content? Like, what's now, in all-time rankings, we're now judging greatness. GSP, even though I think it was a shitty hand-picked fight, went up in weight and won a title. Never defended it, but he did. So he he's he's in that mix. He's a two a champ champ is a champ champ. Right. But he's not Cormier's level, because Cormier did what no one else has done, got close to do, which is defending both belts. Mm. He's defended both belts with stoppages. Stop Rumble twice. Got got Gustafson out of here, which I would argue was a better performance against Gus than John Jones had. That was a crazy fight in Texas. Holy, and you were you're right. And you know what's so funny is John Jones never clamored for a rematch with Gustafson. No. He's always like, I'm done with this guy. We're moving on. Yeah, like I, I've seen Cormier run through these people. Defending the light heavyweight belt. Went to heavyweight, won it, and now has defended it against a guy with astronomical knockout power. Made it look easy. Granted, it wasn't the best of circumstances for the Black Beast. But you got to take that, right? So Cormier's defended what's that. A, what's a, hold on. If you're all, just sorry, Cal. If you're a combat sports fan, and and there, and there's a and there's a card at Madison Square Garden, you know it's gonna be glorified sparring. Yeah, <laughs> Canelo, Black Beast, Derek, Black Beast versus uh, Daniel Cormier, Michael Bisbing versus GSP. 
And Connor versus Eddie. Yeah, at this point, if you step into every Lomachenko fight, if you step into the garden, if you step into the garden and you're the B side, just be prepared to collect your check because you're getting washed. You got no chance, no chance at all. Oh, where's Vince? Vince is going on Raw tonight, but you got no chance in hell if you're the B side in Madison. It doesn't matter if you're in the main room or in this in the theater. You're 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 you're, you're getting your check and you're, you're keeping it moving. Oh my goodness! MSG is jinxed right now. MSG is Barclays is where you put on the big cards. MSG is where you want a showcase. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's oh cool. man. But that's where where I feel like John sits in, and we'll see what John has when he comes back. Right, he's gonna regain his title. Um, I don't think Cormier ever fights him again. I think Cormier is holding out for this Lesnar fight. I think Plan B is Stipe in March. Sure. So March second, it's gonna all go down, right? Yeah, yeah. March second, he wants to fight before his birthday. I think that's the perfect perfect card for him. Um, I think he Dana says he might be able to talk him into one more fight. I think as soon as the WWE goes to Fox, which I believe is next October, yeah, I'm pretty sure Cormier will be their voice on Fox. Whoa. Um, we might even get a desk of Cormier and Mauro Ronaldo for SmackDown on Fox. Wow. Which would be incredible. Um, almost positive Cormier takes that gig. So he's not fighting after October because if you know about the WWE schedule, you're, it's just too grueling. So I think he'll do that and do you know sporadic UFC cards still for mm-hmm. ESPN. And so I think he's done, done by October. So he wants to be done by his birthday. If he goes and he goes out there and works Brock Lesnar, another former champion, a beast of a man. If he goes out there and humiliates Brock, Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. the guy, he's number one. John Jones can catch him. Once again, John's just not, John's not over. Cormier's 40. John got a long time until he's 40. Mm-hmm. John can catch him, but he's 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 really he's working, he's working from from behind. He, he this is a sprint. He better hurry up and, and try to catch him. So I, I think maybe the two can have a trilogy in July fight week if they mm-hmm. put enough money on the table to go champ versus champ and uh, have Cormier try to avenge that loss. There's a lot of money in a champ versus champ fight. Sure. So that that's those are the stakes it would take for. A third fight to happen, right? Like You're gonna he, hate me for this. You're gonna hate me for this. Oh no! Brock, Brock Lesnar is gonna beat Daniel Cormier. I don't hate that. Like, like okay, so he's gonna beat him. So when it was like teased, I was like, <laughs> I was like, listen, it seems like he's got a shot. It seems like know, shenanigans, but the guy is gonna be juiced to the gills. Oh, all the way. And he's going to come in the fight at 295 pounds. And he was a world-class wrestler. Like, it's it's not like people wrestled Brock Lesnar Yeah, Daniel Cormier has to, has to try and knock out Brock, Brock Lesnar, which it's been done. But can you imagine Brock Lesnar, like a sack of potatoes, dropping Daniel Cormier on his head? I can see that happening. I can see it. Like, I can see Brock laying on him. The, the key is now you got to stand up five times. Right. <laughs> to, me, to me, Cormier has an advantage every time you stand up. He really doesn't have to worry about Brock throwing anything that's really going to catch him. You avoid right. you avoid Derek Lewis, you damn sure can avoid Brock Lesnar. You'll be fine on the hands. You're good. It's just he's going to hit him with one of those uppercuts he took Randy Couture out with. Yeah. It's just you I don't know what you would do. It's been a long time since Cormier has been on his back. 
Like, so right. someone is is laying on Jones you. did it, right? That Jones was the last did it. Guy. And Cormier kind of pushed back up against Cage, was able to get, you know, he was still a, kind of fluid. So there was like grappling exchanges. I'm not sure if you have a grappling exchange against Lesnar. I feel like he just lays on you. Right. Like, this is where Cormier will have to tap into 12 years ago Cormier and really get your ass back up from wrestling. So I, it's a unique fight. It's just I think Cormier has more ways that he can win. Um, I like Cormier's submission game a lot more. We've seen, we've seen Brock Lesnar be on the ground, get his ass wrapped up and tapped. Like we saw Frank Mir just whip him and whip oh, him around. Oh, that was and, his first fight, though. I, I don't. I'm not sure if he's gotten better at jujitsu. I, I don't particularly think Brock Lesnar works on his craft. Brock Lesnar no, just goes Brock out there. Brock Lesnar comes in, weight lifts, he eats steak. That's and it. He's, just, he's ready to go. He's That's ready. it. Just tell him what the date is. We're going to wrestle. Telling you, Kel, That's here's it. the timeline right here. Tell, Kel, here's the timeline. March 2nd, Brock Lesnar beats Daniel Cormier. July, whatever, 8th or whatever, it's going to be International Fight Weekend. Brock Lesnar beats Cain Velasquez. Oh, shit. No. no Brock no, is not beating Cain in any, in this any Kane, form. This Cain. He beats this Kane. He Cardio beats broken. He, he be, he be, this isn't the car. This isn't C level Kane here, Cal. This is a different. <laughs> this is a different Kane. This isn't the. This is not the Kane Velasquez that mauled Antonio Bigfoot Silva. Are you, okay. Are, this, are you going to put like artificial elevation in Vegas or something? We're at C level. We're fine. Like, are you going to like have like a Goku style chamber? In T-Mobile Arena, where you just make the gravity a lot tougher. So air is going to be kind of thin in T-Mobile. That's all I'm saying. Air is going to be kind of thin. There's going to be maybe a lot of pot smoke in the air. Who knows, Kel? But Brock Lesnar is going to beat Cain Velasquez. And then in November, Kel Dansby, Madison Square Garden. We talked about squash matches before. Brock Lesnar, the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, the greatest heavyweight ever because he beat Randy Couture and Daniel Cormier versus John Jones, champion versus champion in John Jones's backyard. Kel, can you print enough money for that run? I tell you this: if that if that happens, one, I'm shocked. I'll, <laughs> I will eat my shoe. <laughs> but if for some reason Brock fights, now you're talking Brock fights three times in a calendar year. My man was a little my man was a little fluffy when I saw him at Survivor Series. Kel, I'm not gonna lie. No, you looked I, all right. Survivor Series. He started to cut down, and Heyman yeah. gave him. He the, wasn't three hundred pound Brock. No, Royal Heyman, Rumble yoke. Heyman Brock. was like the two hundred and sixty five pound. I was like, ooh, Paulie throwing it in there that he's making the cut. Um, no, but I, listen, I think he could. I, he'll give him a fight. He lost to Cardio Kane, and I think this version of Daniel Cormier is better than Cardio Kane. Right. So I just see him get a washed. But if he ever does fight John Jones. That fight's not lasting more than a minute. <laughs> not, not one second what are we, more what than are, a minute. What are we talking about? If you're the B side, wait, wait, John Jones is the is John Jones the B side in that fight? John Jones is everyone's the B side to Brock Lesnar. Okay, that's gonna be the wise. one B side to get the upper hand. Yeah, no, the best fighter will still prevail, and John Jones will knock him out in a minute. Minute. I'm being generous, but the the second Brock Lesnar tastes. Taste that that quick inside elbow that John throws, it's over. He's like, no, I'm going back to WWE for this shit. What if it's OSP John Jones? So you mean clean John Jones? Yeah, what if we get <laughs> shaved head, 
weird shorts, clean. John, no, no, no. A I, weird butt, weird chin, I facial think, hair, John Jones. I think John Jones tried being sober once. He was, was he's the Ric Flair of MMA. Really is. He's like, the Ric Flair of MMA. Like, to this point, he was like, I can't I can't do it. I tried to do it your way. I tried to come back and be sober. And I almost lost to this guy. Do you do you understand? OSP. Oh, no. He fights he fights on fight pass on fight cards now. <laughs> and like, I almost lost to him. He's like, Do you understand what happens when I don't drink on fight week? When I don't have just a little bit of the nose candy. I almost I, I make OSP look decent. Never again. He came back out. He said, "Fuck this! Give me all my substances back." Cormier, take this head kick. And he might be right. It might fuel him. And if that's the case, then no, man, enjoy it. Just don't do the roids. You be coked up all you want. Kel, let's talk about it, man. UFC 232, man. It John Jones and Gustafson. You really think John Jones is gonna beat Gustafson? Clean John Jones is gonna beat Gustafson. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he finishes Woo. Gustafson this time. Wow, big. That's I'm taking John Jones to win the fight too. I, I, if I'm there Vegas weekend, if I sneak in, um, maybe I'll go. We'll get a giant trench coat, and I'll be the feet, and you be the head, and <laughs> I'll sneak in. A, I'll sneak in a media row with you. It just reminds I'll, me I'll, of Little Rascals. <laughs> that's it. We're gonna do Little Rascals. We're gonna. Um, I'll bet money on Gustafson, but I'm. I'll pick Jones to win that. To win that fight. Uh, how about Cyborg and Nunes? Oh, yeah, that's going to be about a round. Round and a is half. That, I, I respect wow. Amanda. Are you, are you, is this, is this a, a Rocky Feldon, Canelo Alvarez kind of thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, Amanda's good. Amanda arguably lost the first fight to Shevchenko, won it, got her title fight. She beat Ronda Rousey. Um, she's beat Holly Holm. No, she didn't beat no. Holly. No, she beat um, Misha Tate. Misha, but Misha was damn near retired at that point. Right. I felt like she was already on her way out. So I, I just don't see the quality there. Um, and Shevchenko is a 125-pounder. Let's just be real. Yeah. Pushing her to her limits. Mm-hmm. Cyborg's such a different beast. Cyborg, and if people haven't met Chris Cyborg, um, it this is... And as far as journalism is concerned, I, it's too late to change the narrative. It's one of, like, the worst portrayed things in all of MMA history. I heard she's one of the nicest people. She's arguably the nicest person on the planet. And the Ronda yeah, I saw feud, for her media day, she had food. She had food for people for oh, the media day. A legit full taco stand came out and cooked in front. That's amazing. Like, no, no charge, no nothing. No one needs food for media days. No one does that. She does that. She is the nicest person you'll ever meet. Like, she just is. Um, and Who, I, Who's portrayed worse, Floyd Mayweather or Amanda Nuna? I mean, uh, or, or uh, Chris Cyborg, rather. Floyd did it to himself because he created a gimmick. He okay. created the gimmick to sell. It's just, it, it is what it is. Money Mayweather is the gimmick. Pretty okay. Boy Floyd wasn't that. Um, and then Floyd also did horrible things like hitting women. So you, you you beat your a woman in front of your kids like and you go to jail for it. It's pretty damn serious, you know. Right. Uh, Cyborg popped once for a diuretic, mm-hmm. which she's been very open about, and said, "I didn't know how to cut weight. These things were almost killing me." My, a doctor said this would help. I took it. I was wrong. I served my suspension. Never had that problem again. 
Even when the UFC was making her cut down to 140, damn near kill herself. Not a problem. Never popped. When you saw the age, she's never had a problem. So she she understood she took something that was wrong, said exactly what it was, came back and was fine. So she owned up to what she did. But e- even then, like it's she's the, just the Ronda feud, the oh, this is the American girl, America's sweetheart, Ronda Rousey. Right. And she's going against this monster who oh Chris Cyborg and Dana White calling her manly. And just all, all the, oh my gosh, she looks like a man joke, so look how big she is. And, oh, she, we're not finding her unless she cut down to 135. Like, they drug her through the mud. And it's incredible right. now that she's the biggest draw in women's fighting. Fighting, period. Period, period, yeah. period. It goes Chris Cyborg, Becky Lynch. Those, that's the rankings. Katie Taylor. Like, like you, you want to you wanna sell... That's combat sports in a nutshell if you're a woman. Like, Chris Cyborg does pay-per-view numbers. They right. beg her to come save cards. Mm-hmm. She is the Mike Tyson. People want to call Ronda Rousey the baddest woman on the planet. Ronda was tapping people, and it was cool. Ronda wasn't doing what Cyborg does. Cyborg knocks people out. She crushes women. Right. She is the Mike Tyson of this sport. She is dominant. So, no, it's, it's going to be ugly. Nunez has Shevchenko, which was a split decision right. against a 125-pound fighter. She has Pennington, who she knocked out, but it took five rounds. She lost to Zingano, didn't she? Um, she her last loss was to Zingano. Third-round knockout. That was her last right. loss. She just gassed out. Yeah. Um, that's when she did have cardio problems. She's been knocked out by Alexis Davis. Alexis Davis, Kat Zingano, who do not have power nearly as good as Cyborg, and both knocked her out, um, lost the unanimous decision in her last Invicta fight to Sarah D'Elio. So she's lost. She's, she's had a good streak, which included Shayna Baszler, NXT Women's Champion, <laughs> Sarah McMahon, Shevchenko, which was a decision, UFC 196, that I thought arguably she lost. She won that three rounds to two. Submitted Misha Tate, won the belt, beat Ronda Rousey, won a narrow split decision against Shevchenko, which could have been a win at 215, and then Pennington. That's not a murderer's row of opponents. There's not one on there that screams Chris Ibor. I would If she would have beat Holly Holm, fine. Deronime, fine. Just a, a bigger woman, you know? Just sure. to show the, the size differential. She's being up on people with 125 pounds, and Ronda, who was out for a year. Right. And at that point, honestly, had no business being in the ring or an octagon. She just wasn't mentally there. Right. So, no, no, no. Chris Cyborg is a, a whole different beast. And I don't think it lasts around. I, I think Cyborg really mauls her. That's another prop bet right Ho- there. Over, over under round and a half. By the way, I think Holly Holm, if she goes out on 135 again and challenges her for a title, I think she beats Amanda. Oh, I can I can see that. That's funny that you say Holly because after a cyborg beats Nunez, the only options is to trade her or give her a Holly home, right? I mean, they can try trading her, but no, they just had the the entire um, tough to build out that division. Okay. So you're finally going to get rankings. Okay. For 145 pounds, like the the problem with and why I think DJ got traded is because little guys 
that traditionally don't have power and knockout finishes are hard to sell. Right. They're exciting fights. Exciting as hell, but it's technical. They're technicians. Right. Right. So I think his division outside of him, you know, we we had the the dope, you know, jumping uh or what was it? It was like a takedown into an arm bar, like the mouse trap and stuff like that. DJ did amazing things. But it's hard mm-hmm. to sell that division and pay them without that return. Sure. Cyborg is a whole different beast. She makes money and she's a top draw and they're going to keep paying her because you can run that knockout reel out there and she'll be fine. Right. So she headlines cards. She does better numbers than DJ did. She ain't getting traded. They're just going to keep finding opponents. Um, Megan Anderson is still there. Oh, that's right. That's a that's the fight you have to make next. Yeah, I feel like the, she's on the undercard. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, oh, just in case. It's, okay, nice. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's another fight. I'll look it up right now on the undercard that night that can serve as, you know, a de facto number one contenders fight. And then you have the women who just came off of the ultimate fighter card. And, and I think they'll build it up. That's one thing Cyborg wants. She was like, listen, she knows, and she's only 31, which is incredible, 31, 32. But she's like, when I go, I want this to be a division. It's not a one-off. It's kind of like, you know, at first Ronda was the only one. Now right. that division, that division is fine without her. So I, I think that's where we're going to get. Oh, we have uh, Kat Zingano versus Megan Anderson. Telling me both of them can't fight Cyborg? I'd watch that. That's, that's an amazing fight. And they're on the I'd undercard. On the Fox Sports 1 undercard. So that's a de facto number one contender fight. And then you have, you know, Holly Holm moving down or moving up. Deronda who looked great in her last fight at 135. She, she's a champion who never defended her belt at 145. Maybe she wants to move up and take a chance, you know? Eventually. Right. So Cyborg has opponents. I, I think they'll be fine. Um, I think she just runs through Amanda, though. Uh, any other good fights on that card that are out of note? Um, I, I really like the matchup of Carlos Condit versus Michael Chiesa. Oh, yeah. That'll be a fun one. Yeah, the natural-born killer. Um, I think Chiesa might wrap him up. But I don't know. Chiesa gets caught sometimes, too. So that's that's interesting. Uh, we'll see what Chad Mendez has. This oh, yeah. A, he's he's fighting again. Is, he, is this his first fight off the two-year ban or whatever? Second, I believe. Second, okay. Um, I could be wrong. Let me look it up. But... Uh, yeah, Chad is on here, and he beat Miles Jury in July. Oh, so this okay. is his second. Okay. So that was his first win in a while off of the you know two year suspension, but he still ranked fifth. And at featherweight, Max, you know, Max is looking for guys mm-hmm. who he hasn't beaten yet. And stylistically, getting a wrestler in there against Max is Max is a test we haven't seen. Right. So. We'll see how that plays out. I would like to see that fight. And he just needs a dominant performance here. And then, um, of course, we talked about him earlier. And Vegas is known as the Ninth Island. BJ Penn versus Ryan Hall. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wait, he's fighting Uriah Hall? Ryan Hall. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) No, 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 no. Listen. They've they've sacrificed BJ Penn a lot. Yeah, you you thought that spinning kick on the Ultimate Fighter was wild. (laughs) Where did you see that fight? Oh, no, Ryan, Ryan Hall is, once again, still very, very green. So if BJ Penn... He's the guy from the fight Tuesday Night Fight series? Um, No, he was the winner of the Ultimate Fighter. Gotcha. Season okay, 22. Cool. Got it. Yep. Um, But he, he beat Artem Lobov already. That's big time. You beat Artem, you deserve a title <laughs> he shot. He beat Artem, he beat Gray Maynard. Wow. Yeah, so he's kind of so going he, through his he's the veterans. Tour. Yeah, he's going he's going through the veterans 
the veteran circuit. The legend killer Ryan Hall. I'm so, a, I'm I'm up for it. Hey, hey, if you need a creative director over here, Zufa, right here. That I'm that marking opens, them out for you. That opens the Fox Sports One card. So everyone will get to see PJ Penn in the opening fight. Um, Uriah Hall is fighting. He's fighting on the fight pass prelims that night. That's how I got confused. Yeah, okay. he's fighting some dude named Bevin Lewis. I don't which I don't even know who that hey, is. Hey, that's a showcase. Showcase. Let's yeah. Kick him. Kick him hard. <laughs> that's, that's it. Just get another highlight knockout so we can move you back up in these rankings and feed you to someone else. Um, yeah, so that's it's it's a good card, top to bottom, man. There's some good fights. Alir Latifi fights. Um, who is not far? I mean, he's been on a tear. So I mean, he's once again not the most entertaining talker, but sure. um, crushed Ovin St. Pru, uh, beat Tyson Pedro. He lost to Ryan Bader. Was his mm-hmm. last loss? But wow. I mean, Bader's a champion. Damn, there might be a two uh, champ champ in Bellator. So there, there's worse losses, you know. So I yeah. mean, Latifi's been looking good. We'll, we'll see. He's huge for that division. So it's going to be a good night of fights. Good night of fights. I, I just think at the top you see two finishes, and I think John Jones and, and Chris Cyborg really put their stamp on the night. Thank you, everyone, for listening to part one of our interview with Kel Dansby. Make sure to check out Kel on social media. He's a fun follow at Kel Dansby, K-E-L-D-A-N-S-B-Y. And make sure to listen to his podcast, The Corner Podcast, with his co-host Andreas Hale. It's a good combat sports podcast. And folks, he'll be back for part two later this week, talking winter meetings in the MLB, as well as WWE tables ladders and chairs once again my name is alex fernandez thank you everyone for subscribing to the podcast rating at five stars leaving a juicy comment so i can shout you out in the next episode